everybody, and welcome to episode 132 of the Cinefessions podcast. Tonight we have Mark Nadeau, Ash Collins, and I am Brandon Chowan. Ash, how's everything going for you this week? Um, I have to be honest, the day off this week really kind of fucked me up. I liked not oh, really? Having, yeah, I like not having the day to work, but, you know, then that's all the extra work when you come back. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, it's it's been a it's been a good week actually for me. It's been it's gone by pretty quickly, which is nice. Tomorrow oh, is sure yeah, to be a shit show, but Yeah, it's gone quick. It's just yeah, it's going by too quick to get all my shit done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And Mark, you had your holiday last week, not this week, but how is this week going for you? Well, first I'd like to say you said my name first, so uh Ichiban. I am number 1. Even though you came to me second, you named me first, and that's what matters most. That's it right. remains in your ear longer, so people remember me. My exactly. week's been good. My week's been good. Melissa's been out of town all week, uh, okay. up north in Cambridge Bay, Nunavut, uh, for work. So I've been, uh, it's just me and the kitties by myself, <laughs> and I'll be honest, I haven't slept better in a long time than this week. Oh, it's, it's been... Oh. I'm starfishing right in the middle of the bed. I'm not hugging the edge. Uh, I got two extra pillows now. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like a baby. <laughs> it's like life six months ago, right? Uh, almost, dude. It's been almost a year since I moved in. With Has it, it been a be, year? Jesus, it'll be a, it'll fast. be a year on the 13th of June. Wow. So, yeah, Time flies, man. That's nuts. Yeah, you would think I would have saved a bit of cash while living here for the last year, but check out my movie collection; it's huge now. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, oh, please stop listening to this. Hey, baby. Kisses, moo, 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 moo. Yeah, no, my week's been good. Uh, you know, uh, I was off on Monday. Uh, today's my last day off. I'm back at work tomorrow. So tomorrow, Friday, uh, is my Monday. So when this episode drops, it'll be my Thursday. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I hit the uh, hit the gym a lot, watched a lot of shit, so we'll be able to talk about that shortly. Excellent. It, it never gets old listening to Mark try to figure out the day of the week versus when the podcast is dropping versus when we're recording. Like that just it never gets old to me. You're getting I, so fucking good at it now, though. It's starting to become less funny, so that's yeah, a little disappointing. But I don't need to write everything on the wall anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the the lack of graphs is now showing because my mental game is strong now because I am Ichiban. I am number one. <laughs> Very good. So tonight we are here to conclude our complete psycho arc, better known as our spending time with Norman Ark. And we are going to review the Gus Van Sant remake from 1998, obviously entitled just Psycho. Before we do all that, though, let's talk about how you can find us on social media. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. You can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show. 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. You can also check out our long list of past reviews on all 132 podcast episodes right over at Cinefessions.com. And also, if you're a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those podcast reviews are essential to helping us grow, so we thank you in advance for your support there. And as we have been saying, please tell your friends about the show. The more people that know about us, the more people that can listen, and the more people that can hate us or love us, as long as they're tuning in, I don't care. So just tell your friends. 
And uh, we appreciate you supporting the show, whether it's that way or by leaving us a uh, review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever it is that you're listening. We really appreciate that. All right, Ash, what have you been doing this past week in the world of media or otherwise? I've been playing more Battlefront 2 on the PS4. Um, A lot of Pokemon Go. I'm actually kind of really excited about the Pokemon Let's Go, even though I don't have a Switch. I might actually buy a Switch for that. Um, oh, okay. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I want I want more details about it, but the trailer for it was freaking cute as hell. Um, <clears throat> I didn't watch a whole lot this week. It was a little too preoccupied. We watched a little bit more Supernatural. Finally saw the Scooby-Doo episode, which was hilarious. Oh, um, good. And then, um, but uh, I finally got to go out to the movies. Um, nice. So I went and saw Solo. Uh, awesome. Yeah, Star Wars. Star Wars will almost always get me out of the house. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, right. um, I I'm not gonna spoil anything. Um, is it the best Star Wars movie? No. Was it a fun Star Wars movie? Fuck yes. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of little ties to the rest of the series, which is pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of little throwbacks to the the first movie uh, and and Empire Strikes Back both. Um, and, uh, and it just, it works. I think Howard, Ron Howard did a great job with it. Um, so, and, and we definitely need a Lando movie cause he's fucking awesome too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it a three and a half out of four for that one. Um, that's my brief awesome. review, but yeah, uh, yeah so that was my brief week in media anyway. Very yeah, cool. I, yeah. I, I, I'm willing to spoil this movie. Apparently Han Solo dies by the hand of his child. <laughs> <laughs> wrong one wrong one. Oh man no no this is a spoiler when he dies oh, okay. <laughs> his kid kills him oh man well good to know good to know yeah um, so uh just make sure that you've got tissues ready when yeah. you go see solo because his kid kills him oh good lord number one ichiban <laughs> oh man um yeah so I saw the uh, let's what the hell is it? Let's be Pikachu. Let's play Pikachu. What the hell is it called? Pokemon. Uh, let's go Pikachu. And then the, the okay, other ones. Yeah. Let's go Eevee. Let's go. Um, <clears throat> and that one I'm not really looking forward to. Uh, it has a lot of connectivity with Pokemon Go, so I can definitely see why you're uh, excited about that, and that's awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to like the quote unquote more traditional one that's supposed to come out in 2019. Uh, yeah, second they, half. Yeah. I think I'm passing on on the ones uh, the, on the Let's Go ones, but uh, I, there are there's some excitement about it, so that's really cool for those that are interested in it. Well, there's the one that just got released that looks like uh, Pokemon Minecraft. Um, it's free, but it looks like Minecraft, so I'm not going to oh. touch it. Is it on the Switch? Or oh what? yeah, it, it's out already. The the day that they announced all those releases, they announced uh, that game, and it's already on the eStore. You can buy. It's a free game. Oh, I did not. I totally missed that one. I'll have to check that out after yeah, we record here and download it. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but uh, I'm sure it'll um, be on the... Apparently, like, it, I'm not sure if it's a free-to-play game or not. Right, right. Um, I think it starts off as free, and then you might have to pay to, you know, level up. Or I, I honestly right. don't know. Don't really... It doesn't really call my name, so I didn't really make too many... Uh, uh, I didn't read too much about it because of that, but uh, yeah. it's still kind of cool that you know there's kind of syncing up the whole you know cell phone game with the with the Switch, which kind of makes sense since the Switch is portable. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. Um, and then I'll I'll jump into mine here, and I'll start with um, uh, continuing on with the with the games. I, I'll actually, I hit my spending first. So I did buy Star Wars Battlefront Two on PS4. It was on sale for twenty four bucks on the uh, digital store. And so I said last week that twenty bucks was my threshold. But then Ash, you were talking about it and kind of got me interested in it. So I figured, ah, what, what's an extra four bucks? So. I did grab Star Wars Battlefront 2. I did play that. I'm, I'm not good online. I, I am getting, you know, better the more I play it. Um, but I just, in general, I'm not very good at online games. And so I'm never going to be at the top of the leaderboard. Um, but I have, you know, made my whip from the bottom of the barrel up to a, you know, middle of the road, which is honestly probably about as good as it's going to get for me. Um, but it's fun. I say fuck a ton because <laughs> I fucking shot you 7,000 times and you got me once and I'm dead. Not literally, uh. but that's what it feels like every time it happens. So, yeah. Um, so I played that. I've not done any of the single player mode on that yet. Um, I've just kind of pick up and play uh, with that one because I didn't want to like commit too much time to it at this point. And so I've just been doing the pick up and play thing. I uh, played a little bit more Persona. I think I'm like three or four hours into that now. Um, enjoying that. Uh, but obviously that one is more of a commitment than just pick up and play with like Star Wars Battlefront 2. And so I've been playing that a little bit more at this point. Um, and then uh, continue with my spending. Um, and it's all kind of tied together. So I did, I bought the last Maze Runner, Maze Runner the Death Cure um, on 4K. So it was because I didn't know I was going to want it when it came out. I didn't buy it. And so I didn't get a sale price on it. And so now it's like 20 bucks for the Blu-ray or I could pay an extra five bucks for the 4K. And so I said, well, fuck it. I'm just going to get the 4K. Um, and so I did that. So I paid 25 for that. Um, and uh, that relates to my 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 films that I watched this week. So I actually, for me, I had a huge week of, of movie watching uh, thanks to the holiday on Monday. And uh, so I think I watched like six films over the weekend, which is, again, to Mark, that's that's a day, uh, but to me, that's that's a lot. I more than I watch in a oh, month sometimes. So, dude, I've slowed down. I've slowed down. Yeah. I think I'm averaging a movie a day. Yeah, and I'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, but I do have some things. I, I'm actually going to talk about all of them here for a little bit. But um, let's see. Where am I going to start? I'll start at the bottom and kind of work my way up. So um, I watched. From 2013, I watched the uh, Green Inferno, the Eli Roth cannibal film. How was it? You know, I have just come to the conclusion that I'm not a huge cannibal movie fanatic. Yeah. Uh, like I think I want to be. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, I watched it. It has, uh, the, damn it, I'm going to forget her name now. I wrote it down like a hundred times and it's in my review on Letterboxd. But I can't remember her name. The main character, she was actually in Knock Knock. She's one of the two stunningly gorgeous women from Knock Knock. She's the brunette. Ah, uh, the um, one from uh, Blade Runner 2020. Is it like Anya De Rosa or something? Or no, Anya? not her. Oh, the other one? The yeah. blonde? Yeah. No, the oh. brunette. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't she in uh, Blade Runner? Her name wasn't... Maybe her name wasn't Anya. I, I feel like I'd remember it if I heard it. It was... Um, let's see. It was... Lorenzo, Lorenzo Izzo. Izzo. Okay, so yeah. it's the other one. Yes, I guess so. Oh, wait. Or maybe maybe the girl from Blade Runner was a blonde in that movie. I thought she was a brunette. Yeah, she's not listed on... Okay, sorry about that. As a credit, so. No, you're yeah, fine. Oh, well, she's married to Eli Roth. Oh, okay. I guess the, you told... I feel like you told me that before. I feel like we talked about that during when we were watching Knock Knock or something. Because that now that you said yep. it, it, remi- it rings a bell. But I yeah. did not realize that. But anyway, so she's, you know, she's beautiful. But... And I think she was really good in this. Um, but... 
it's it's a cannibal film like there's it's fine for a cannibal movie if you like cannibal films you'll probably enjoy it um it's you know it is gory it is gross uh there's no animal cruelty which i love because i hate the animal cruelty bullshit in in the other cannibal movies of like the 70s and 80s i know it's just part of it so whatever but i don't enjoy watching that and so i'm glad that it wasn't in this one um but you know it's if you like cannibal films you'll probably you know like it if not you'll probably want to skip it i gave it right middle of the road two two stars out of four uh it's about as mediocre as it gets just some weird characters i didn't really like i hated it about i hated it until they got to the jungle because her roommate in the beginning of the film is just a horrible actress like i don't know if she's a terrible actress or she just was delivering her delivering her lines horribly like that was her character choice i I don't know but it it didn't work whatever it was and so i just i couldn't stand her in in the beginning of the film but once it got to the jungle got a lot more interesting so i give that one two stars decent again if you like cannibal films maybe check it out if not just don't waste your time with it uh from there i'll talk about um so somebody posted that they were doing like a sci-fi marathon I forget who it was. And uh, they were watching The Martian, which I love that movie. I watched it, uh, re- not recently, but when it, close to when it came out on Blu-ray, uh, the, the Matt Damon Martian. And uh, I love films where it's like a person or a small group of people stuck in a situation, uh, specifically in space. Like I love like that moon. Um, what was the one? Uh, Pandorum that we watched for the podcast. Um, you know, I just, I love films like that. Sunshine's another one, which Sunshine I didn't love, but it was okay. Um, Gravity. I, there's so many. And so I ended up watching, because he suggested it, Robinson Crusoe on Mars from 1964. I actually owned this one on Criterion Collection Blu-ray for like the longest time. Like it was one of probably my first handful of Criterion Blu-rays I bought back when I started collecting movies. And then he probably and had to trade it in and after go I buy bought it. Again. it no, not this one. <laughs> not none of my criteria. Nope. Oh, okay. But um I I always after I bought it, I heard that it was a really slow movie, and some people called it boring, and so I just never put it on. But I decided, you know what, I'm gonna give it a shot. And I'm really glad I did, because I didn't find it boring at all. Is it slow moving? Sure. But I thought it was fascinating. Again, it is a one individual stuck on he's stuck on Mars, obviously, and um he's basically trying to survive. Um and you know, just different things happen while he's there. Um, and I don't know. I, I really liked it. It's from 1964. The special effects look like they're from 1964, especially on the Blu-ray, which the Blu-ray looks immaculate. It looks awesome. But you really see the special effects. You know what I mean? Like they stand out. But it has that charm because it is a film from that era. And so I really enjoyed it. Um, I gave this one three out of four stars. I would recommend it if you like films like this. Like it gave me a real Planet of the Apes vibe, which anyone who knows me knows that Planet of the Apes series is, is you know, at least the original is my one of my favorite films of all time. I absolutely love that whole series. Uh, and so anything that kind of gives me the same vibe as Planet of the Apes, I'm going to enjoy. And Robinson Caruso definitely did. Obviously came out around the same time uh, and has very similar visuals just because it is like supposed to be a death desolate area and whatnot so i it, it, it was really good i really enjoyed it highly recommend that one if you are into films like that and can i don't know handle the special effects from that era and again the criterion blu-ray is excellent so three out of four for that one um next i watched book of shadows blair witch 2 oh, okay okay from 2000 now <laughs> I watched this film when it came out. 
on like VHS. So it's probably something I'm 2000, 2001. So I would have been like 14 years old and I didn't like it at all. I thought it was just horrible. Watching it again, I think it's my favorite film in the Blair Witch series. Oh, get the fuck out of here. That movie is fucking really good. Like, I really enjoyed it. I I liked it too, but to say it's better than the first one? I'm not a huge fan of the first one. The first one's fine. It's good, but eh, eh. This one was more, I don't know, it was just, it was really entertaining. Um, and I can see why the only thing I remembered from this when I first watched it was the hot chick dancing around naked. Right. That's like the only <laughs> thing I remembered. But, yeah. uh, and I can see why I didn't like this as a 14 year old kid. Like I, it, it, it is so different than Blair Witch yet. It, I, it's so like, I don't, it's so interesting. It's so unique because like the story, it takes like the events of the story are about the aftermath of the original film. And then it, you know, kind of ties in the so-called, you know, what they, you know, people thought was the real story of the first one and, and so on. And it's just fascinating. And it, the other thing is it's so nostalgic for me. Like it is straight out of like the late nineties, 2000 era. Like, and that was my time, you know, I was middle school to high school, you know, going into high school at that point. So like, that's a time that I look back on and remember so vividly. And so you know, is there some nostalgia tied to to my uh, viewing of this? Absolutely, but I can't watch. It. Like I always say, we can never watch something in a tunnel. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. And so you approach things with your history and your vision. And I really, really enjoyed this. I think it was. I think it's significantly better than anyone gives it credit for. Uh, very underrated. It's always shit on whenever I hear it, but I loved it. I mean, like it. Op- like the opening credits have fucking Marilyn Manson's. Uh, what is it? Teenage. Uh, wasteland. I don't know. What the wasteland. Yeah, I think that's what. It uh, is. T- oh, teenage teens. wasteland's the who? Yeah, the, the who. Are you thinking what of disposable I, teens? Disposable teens. Thank you. God, yes, disposable teens. Like, I mean, like that's my shit. Like, I used to fucking love that when I was in middle school. Me and my cousin used to listen to Marilyn Manson all the time. Like, I loved it, and so it just takes me back to a certain time. And like the character, you have like the emo girl who is so just from that era. They're just like the clothes they wear. Everything about it is awesome. And uh, uh, the main the main girl, still beautiful, still enjoyed watching her dance around naked. So, hey, my 14-year-old self was right there. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. I gave this one three and a half out of four. Hmm. Like I said, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and probably my favorite, my favorite of the series. Um, next up, I'll, I'll jump to this one next. Uh, so, I finally watched... M. Night Shyamalan's Split from 2016. Yeah. Um, and again, no spoilers on any of these movies we talk about during this segment. But um, Except for Solo, where his kid kills him. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes. Except for that. You know, if Solo pulled out, he'd be alive right now. Yes. Yeah, that is, that is astute. But That's- he didn't. <laughs> and he's dead. Oh, man. Poor Solo. <laughs> But kind of like the uh, Canadians' chances in the playoffs, right? I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> oh man, nothing. Um, yes, if the Jets pulled out, they would still be alive right now. That makes total sense. Thank you for chiming in. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge M Night Shyamalan fan. Um, I- I've enjoyed most of the things of his. I've I've seen. I've not seen all of his filmography yet. Um, but I've enjoyed most things, and so. 
it took me a long time to watch this one and I don't know why, but it did. But I'm so glad I finally watched it. I was blown away to James McAvoy puts on what is arguably one of the finest film performances I've seen in as far as I can remember. He is absolutely brilliant. I don't care that this isn't an art film. This isn't an Oscar nominee. This isn't anything. His performance is one of the best I have ever seen. It is fucking incredible what he is able to achieve as an actor. Uh, and this film just proves that. Um, he is, he makes the film uh, himself. Uh, but alongside, alongside him, who I think, uh, because he does so well, uh, I don't think she gets the credit that she deserves, but, uh, what's her name? Anya Taylor Joy as, uh, Casey is so fucking brilliant in this film. Uh, oh my God. It is so good. Obviously, you know, if you've seen the trailer, you know what it's about. It's about, you know, multiple personality disorder and, and so on and so forth. Um, the, as the film went on, like the ending, I had goosebumps. Like I was so all in. <laughs> oh, such a great movie. It's just a fucking, it's awesome. I loved, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's cameo in it. That little scene just cracked me up, um, with him and the doctor. And just the acting all around was so good. Such a interesting story. The way it all ties together is is awesome. Man, I love this movie. I gave it four out of four stars. Um, Mark, I think you love this one as well, right? I did. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Shyamalan has been on an uptick ever since he did The Visit. And uh, I'm excited Absolutely. for the... Even though I hated uh, Unbreakable, I just mm -hmm. didn't like the film. Uh, I'm really curious uh, about this next flick coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ash, have you seen this one yet? Mm, no, uh, I have okay. not seen this one. All right, I'll be interested in your thoughts when you do. It's awesome. So yeah, I give that one four stars. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Glad I finally watched it. And it's all um, about McAvoy. Like, he's such exactly. a good actor. He's he is, so, man. Like, honestly, we talked about this when I watched um, Welcome to the Punch. Like, yeah. he's just so fucking good. And that's obviously not an acting clinic film. You know what I mean? Like, he's just playing this, like... A, gangster type guy or whatever yeah but like here it's just he does it my well. god yeah his his chops his acting chops are fucking amazing yeah i'm a big fan of the guy yeah he's awesome uh so then from there i had the urge to watch through on memorial day i wanted to watch through the maze runner trilogy because i remember watching maze runner um a couple years ago and was just frankly i was blown away by it like i thought it was awesome so much better I had no expectations going into it. I thought, oh, this is just another, you know, young adult um, adaptation. Dystopian. Yeah, because, you know, because hung um, because Hunger Games is doing so well, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're bringing this out. But, man, I was blown away by it. It is awesome. Um, and so I owned the first one, uh, first two, actually. And so we ended up watching the first two on um, Monday evening. But then it got late and we just needed to go to bed. So And we didn't own the third one. I was just going to rent it. But then I say, you know what, fuck it. Like, I own the other two. I'm just going to buy this one. So that's when I end up buying it on uh, Tuesday. And then we watch the other one Tuesday night. So uh, Maze Runner, if you don't know, basically, it's uh, like like Mark was saying, it's a dystopian, um, you know, kind of post-apocalyptic, uh, post-virus film where the this group of kids, um, you know, teenage kids are in the first one. They kind of wake up in this, the grove, they call it. And it's surrounded by this wall. And on the outskirts of the wall is this maze. And so they have these select group of people. It's basically like kind of 
they this group of teens is surviving on their own. They produce everything. They have their own, you know, uh, they produce their own food, uh, so on and so forth. And they get this box delivered to them every month. And with this box comes another recruit or another person into the Grove. And so obviously, because it's a film, we are meeting the person that is going to attempt to change things. And so um, Thomas is introduced in the beginning of the movie. And, um, you know, they have a small group within this group that are called like the runners. And so basically their job is to go and map out the maze to try to find a way out, to try to figure out what the fuck's happening to them. Some of these people have been there for three plus years. Thomas is brand new. Um, and that's when we come in. And so that's the first one. Uh, I'm not going to really talk about what the rest of them are about because then it gives spoilers for the other, for the first one. And so I don't want to do that, but I will say I absolutely love this series. If, if you are looking at it and thinking, man, this is just a young adult, like, you know, kind of, uh, not knockoff, but just story. And so I'm not interested. I really think you're, you're just doing yourself a disservice. If you enjoy post-apocalyptic films, the first film has influences of alien and aliens. The second film has influences of Dawn of the Dead. And the third film has influences of, uh, it's like Mad Max meets Dread. And Wes Ball, the director of all three, he doesn't shy away from, uh, you know, having these homages, uh, you know, out there loud and proud. And as someone who loves all those movies mentioned, like I was, <laughs> I was just loving it. Um, it, they are so much fun. Uh, it, of course, there's a love story, but it's so, ah. Uh, like the second film, it's basically not there much. Um, and then it comes back in the third film. Um, but it's, it's not the focus really, uh, of the, at least of like the first two. And so it's not that big of a deal. Um, so again, like if you like the movies I mentioned, if you like post apocalyptic, if you like viruses, uh, virus films, then I definitely recommend these. I think they are way better than they have any right to be really, uh, given what they are. Um, I've heard, that the novels are even better, but frankly, I don't have any interest in reading the novels on these ones. I think the films were enough. And so I, I really recommend them if you can, um, you know, find them cheap enough and have any interest in it. Definitely check them out. I think they're definitely worth it. Uh, I gave Maze Runner the first one, three and a half stars. Maze Runner The Scorch Trials, which is the second one, three stars. And Maze Runner The Death Cure, three and a half stars. I think my favorite was actually the third one. My second favorite was the first one. And then my third favorite was the second one. But I mean, that I, I enjoyed them all um, a great deal, a lot more than I probably should. But I just gave Blair, uh, Blair Witch two, three and a half stars. So what the fuck do I know? But have either of you guys watched any of the Maze Runner films at all? No, I haven't. Okay. Nope, I have not. No, uh, okay. I didn't have any desire to early. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, like I said, um, if you uh, come across them, I think you might enjoy them. But uh, television side... Mark, you suggested Evil Genius last week. Yeah. And I watched Evil Genius this week. I I, bin, I binged it. It's only four episodes. But so I binged it on Saturday. Um, and uh, that, uh, brilliant. I mean, wow. What a fucking story, man. What a tale that is being told here. It is fascinating. Uh, four stars out of four. This one, I mean, if Netflix continues to make original docuseries true crime docuseries i will never unsubscribe from them they every docuseries i have watched has been at least three and a half stars like they are they do such a great fucking job putting these together obviously they're just you know the 
producers and of them, but still, just the, the way the, the choices that they make for the docuseries that they're going to put under their service is perfect so far. Like, I've enjoyed thoroughly every single one I've watched. Um, of course, Mark talked about this last week, but basically this is the story. Uh, it's called Evil Genius, the true story of America's most diabolical bank heist. And um, basically it's a story about this guy who robs a bank with a bomb attached to his neck. Uh, it's like in a neck collar. And um, a couple blocks later, the police stop him. They set him down, realize he's wearing a bomb. They set him in the middle of the street. He's like, hey, like someone going to do something about this? Like he's claiming that he's been chained up against his will and that this bomb's going to go off if they don't do something. And eventually the fucking bomb goes off. Like, and they show it and it like, they don't show like in detail, but you see the thing explode and it's just like, holy fuck. Cause you know what happened there? Like, fuck it, man. It is just fucking crazy. And then the story becomes, the real question is, is he really an innocent victim in this? Is he doing this himself? Or is he part of a of a greater plan, a bigger plan, and just uh, one of the co-conspirators of this plan? And um, I would say that the film presents all those different ideas pretty well. It has, I feel like the the filmmakers have a an answer that they believe in, and they kind of save that for like the very last moments of the very last episode. Which again, it's only four episodes. Each episode is only about fifty minutes, so it's over. It's only you know, it's not very long. But man, it it was so good. I mean, Mark, you were right. This was incredible. Um, and I do want to see thirty minutes or less now because it it is, it's just quote unquote loosely based on this. But I'm really curious how they make this into a comedy, which is just so grim. Because, like you say, like this person loses his life, whether he was a co-conspirator or not. Yeah, he's still a, a man who loses his life. And it, so. just, it just seems knowing the real story kind yeah. of in poor taste now. Um, I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. I think it'd be the only way for me to watch it would be on Netflix or some streaming service. It's not I'm not, not, not going to pay US, for it. It is yeah. any. Yeah, I'd have to check no. a Canadian one. But I know it's been on before. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, first of all, it doesn't look very funny. And uh, that's why I never watched it up until now. And it's this doc kind of just puts a nail in its coffin for me. I have really no desire to watch it. Yeah. I do want to check it out. Just uh, curiosity is getting the best of me. But yeah. I won't be buying it or anything. We'll see. We'll see. So. <laughs> Next, when we come back, Nick's episode. Yeah, I bought the 4K edition of uh, 30 Minutes or Less. <laughs> it's so good and super high def. If they had really 4K s- edition. Oh, that's the other thing I got to say. Oh? I don't watch a ton of uh, things in 4K. And so, like, I'll I'll forget how 4K looks. And then I put on Maze Runner, uh, The Death Cure, and I'm instantly reminded how fucking amazing 4K looks and how it was absolutely worth the extra $5. Like, 4K looks so fucking good, man, especially when you're watching, like, a big movie like that. It is absolutely worth it. So, people who are on the fence about upgrading, you know, I have a cheap... 4k a cheaper 4k tv that has hdr and i have an xbox one s and i'm still getting an incredible picture so you don't have to spend a ton of money to get a great picture obviously if you spend more you're probably going to get a better picture so i'm not an idiot i know how that works but 
you know, if, if you're just looking to spend a little bit and still get into 4K, you can absolutely do it. Just look for that HDR uh, for the television, and uh, you'll get a picture that you'll enjoy. I, I can promise you that. So, and those Always TVs are getting when I want something new. Yeah, their TVs are getting so cheap now too. You can get a really yeah. good 4K TV for like 800 bucks Canadian. So, yeah, you exactly. know, um, I'm just waiting for my TV to die on me, which I don't believe it will be anytime soon just because yeah. we don't need a third television. Um, mm-hmm. but my next TV purchase will be 4K or whatever is out yeah, there at that point. Next. You know, who knows? Right. The technology is going by so fast. So exactly. That's like the TV in my living room. It's big. It's like a 55. Um, but it's, it's not a smart TV or anything. And like the picture quality on it is just not that good. It was a very cheap one we bought on Black Friday, which I'm not, again, like my 4K was a cheaper one we bought on Black Friday too, but this one was like really cheap. Um, but it's still LG. I still like it, but it's just, I can tell the difference in the picture quality between that and my 4K and it like is starting to bug me. Mm-hmm. But we have a child on the way. So obviously mm-hmm. I'm not buying an, a, another 55 inch 4K TV that I don't need, but man, if I ever get another uh, more money, that's that'll be something that I definitely uh, upgrade. That'll be that's toward the top of the list of wanting to upgrade. But yeah, yeah. So, what about you, Mark? How was uh, that's my week? What about you? Oh, uh, one more thing about your week. Did you try that Detroit game yet for the PS4? That almost human, or did you uh, uh, buy it? Um. So I have it. So I game share with Chris, and so anything he buys digitally, I have, and anything I buy digitally, he has. Even um, on the PS4. So- yeah, yeah, PS4, and we we do it on Xbox One also. How does that um, work on the PS4 though? Only, I guess only one person can play at a time, right? No, no, it works. I don't know it's perfectly legal too. It's not like we're we're screwing the system. Like this is something that Sony oh, has. I just, to, you know what I mean. I just uh, thought I Sony. Can, I thought Sony put the kibosh on that for the PS4 because no. me and my buddy Paul used to do that for the PS3, but we don't touch those machines anymore. Oh yeah, no, no, it works works perfectly fine, and uh, oh. like we can play Star Wars Battlefront two together and everything. So. Really? It works. I, I don't. I can't tell you how we did it offhand right now, but I can. You know, if you're interested, I can definitely send you a link to what we use to connect it. Super easy. It's just was there any trusting the other person? You know, any soldering used? Did you have to yeah. solder anything? <laughs> no, we. Uh, did we you have to, to solder? Oh, okay. Yeah, got to leave that part out, but yeah. Um, yeah. Could so you though, if I you have, needed to? I probably. I mean, you can solder anything you want. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Go for it if you want to. Oh, maybe. But yeah, so no, I've not played it yet. Chris has played it and beat it. He loved it. Uh, and so I will uh, eventually be getting to it, but I have not yet. Have you? No, but I've been okay. watching some people kind of play it online, which oh, I don't want to know too much it. about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I just want to see how it looked like. And it looked really okay. cool. But uh, I don't know if I'll have time to. I'm yeah. playing so many games. Um, speaking of yeah. games, segue. Yeah. Um, so game wise, uh, I'm still playing Darkest Dungeon, but. I decided to keep that game more for work just because that's a game where I can sit, you know, put it down, do some work when I have to <laughs> on my breaks. Right. Uh, but at home, I'm like, I don't really want to play this at home so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I finally started playing uh, Super Mario Odyssey. I started oh, that. Yes. Started yesterday. So I'm, uh, I'm really early in the game. I played some last night, played some more this afternoon. And I'm really digging it. I'm playing with the two Joy-Cons strapped to my wrists. So it really feels like an old Wii game. Because I I used to love the Wii and the motion controls, so you know, oh, flicking I, the hat, flicking the hat, you know. I fucking hated the motion controls. Fortunately, I, as someone who hates the motion controls, thought the motion controls for my Odyssey are are perfectly acceptable. I think they're totally fine. Yeah, so I'm playing that. Um, I'm 
in the desert world. I just beat the upside down pyramid and now I'm in the hole in like the, you know, find the reason why the desert is freezing over. So I'm on a nice level. So that's fun. Uh, but so far I'm liking it. Uh, it's really simple so far. I suck at it. I suck at 3D Mario games. Oh, um, I like, okay. so I do like the side scrolling Mario when he goes all 8 bit against the wall. Yeah, I love I'm those really cards, digging yeah. that a lot, but I'm really having trouble gauging my distance when it comes to like the 3D Mario. Okay. So, so that I'm still getting used to that. Kind of give me a bit of a headache, but okay. whatever. I I I'll push through. Um, so I'm playing that. You're getting old, man. You're getting old. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think was there anything else. I almost bought the Street Fighter collection. But I heard that the netcode for the online play sucks. Oh. And I'm thinking, do I need, you know, five versions of Street Fighter 2? And right. the answer is answer is no. And I was watching it online, like I was watching a YouTube video, and uh the graphics aren't as good as I remember them to be. And I've got like I love the music, but I've got the music on vinyl. So I don't need to spend 50 bucks for this collection, so I'm not gonna get it. Um and same thing with the uh, Mega Man games. The uh, Legacy Collection 1 and 2 came out. Yeah. I, I suck at those games. I'm oh, probably not going to buy it just because, well, I'm just going to get frustrated. Um, so that's that. But I did buy uh, a new game today. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, there's a podcast I've, I've listened to for almost a decade now called Big Kids, Big Kev's Geek Stuff. And I'm friends with uh, Matt, uh, OG. Uh, on the podcast, uh, not like friends, friends, but like we're like social media friends. We'll mm -hmm. comment each other and whatever once in a while. And uh, he was asking, you know, what Switch games are you playing? I, I want to try something new. So obviously I said Darkest Dungeon. And uh, he in return uh, advised me to try a game called The Flame and the Flood. It's like okay. a roguelike survival adventure game came out yeah. on the Switch back in October of last year. Um, so I'm like, cool, I'll, I'll check it out. And lo and behold, I'm on the uh, store after playing uh, Mario. And uh, hello, Kitty. And um, <laughs> the game is on sale 50% off. So I'm like, sweet. I have a $5 credit from a pre previous purchase that's still in my account. Plus, I've got enough of that Nintendo Gold to give me about $6 worth of credit. So the game didn't cost me anything. Uh, I'm downloading it right now, so I haven't played it yet, but it looks really cool. So you play this girl, uh, she's called Scout, and she's got a dog, and I guess it's like a post-apocalyptic world where she has to survive uh, a journey down a river. So she's got this raft, and you can upgrade the raft, and then you hit some docks, get, you know, you hit some towns, get some supplies, go back to your, go back to your raft, continue on. Um, so yeah, um, it's a survival game. It's a, they call it a traveling survival game. Again, I haven't played a lick of it, but, uh, from what I saw with the uh, game trailer on the e-store, it looked really cool. So, and plus it was 50% off. So it cost me 10 bucks. I had to try it out. Um, apart from that game wise, so, I think that's it. Before you move on though. Yeah. So it's 50% off. So the total price is $10 or you pay $10 because of your stuff you had no the total price is like a 20 dollars game i got it for like 10 okay gotcha. or i think it's eight i think it's 18 i got it for like nine something like that but i got i got a half off uh, it cost me 10 dollars or less whatever it is but okay uh, so that's what it actually is on the site it right now is is nine bucks yeah and that's of course that's canadian prices so oh, okay. for you it'll probably be like six bucks if if it's on sale on on the U.S. store, which I would assume it is, like we share a North American store, but for yeah. me it was like it was like just under, or I think it was like ten dollars Canadian. So okay. for you, it'd probably be like six or seven, I guess. Okay, 
Cool, because that's so, actually one that I've been because I like I love looking up survival games, and that's one that uh, has been recommended on multiple different lists I was reading, and so I was considering purchasing it on Steam on for okay. the PC, but I just I don't really play my PC games much, and I honestly yeah. had no idea there was a Switch release for it. So I will, yeah. I still have like eighteen bucks in my eShop money to use from Christmas, so I'm okay. probably gonna pick that up tonight. So that's a that's a good one. Thank you for. Let me know that's on there because I it looks really really cool. It's like like you said survival up with the stream. I, it looks it looks really good. So I'll probably yeah. pick that up too. I'll be honest. The Switch has so many indie games that oh, yeah. I can't keep up. Uh, I've never heard of this game. Uh, I guess it got released back in uh, 2016 mm-hmm. and uh, was released uh, on the Switch in October of 2017. Um, okay. But it's apparently it's got some pretty good reviews. Like I think the lowest score I'm looking is IGN gave it 7.3 out of 10. Or okay. PC Gamer US give it 70 out of 100. Um, everything else is like 7.5 and up. Uh, 4 out of 5, 9 out of 10. So, uh, yeah. Um, I decided why not. It's not going to cost me anything. So, let's do it. You yeah, know? exactly. So, that's all um, game-wise. Um, as for uh, as for TV. Oh, kitty. Um, I uh, jumped back on the horse and I finished off... The last five episodes of Hotel Beau Séjour. Uh, I had uh, I hadn't given up on it, but I just uh, had had the chance to watch it myself. Um, I watched some shows with Melissa, some I don't. This one um, I watched it on my own. Did some of it at work, and then work got really busy, so I haven't been able to. But uh, it's a um, it's that uh, I believe a Belgian show, and it's that murder mystery where a girl wakes up in a hotel room and she's dead. And she wants to figure out why she died. And some people can see her, some people can't. Um, so I pretty much uh, powered through the last few episodes in the last two days off. Bye, Kitty. And um, <laughs> and uh, it, it was so fucking good. Um, again, you have to pay attention. Uh, I believe there, there probably is a dubbed version, but I like to watch shows in its... Uh, it's natural language right uh original language so i will watch this with subtitles sometimes you're not in the mood for subtitles that's why i think i've been pushing it aside because yeah. i'm like Ugh, i'm not in the mood to read right which is dumb it's such a stupid reason not to watch i finished these four episodes it was so fucking good uh it, it, it i would say the show is like a, a it's like an onion and every episode is a different layer of that onion until you get to the center and you're like holy fuck um, I loved it. I How fucking love it's 10 episodes. Okay. 10 episodes. The average between three to five minutes to an hour each. I remember one being really short. Um, but I loved it. Um, I don't want to say too much about it just because, um, but it's, if, if you like a murder mystery, this is up your alley. It's smart. It's well written. Uh, it, it's really good. And man, it, it it's crazy what kind of secrets people have, you know, and you know, there's a reason why everybody involved can see this girl and everything makes sense at the end. And it was really well done. So I highly recommend hotel Beausejour. It's not an ongoing series. It's like, it was a story and then that's it. Um, there's, so there's just the one season and there's no indication that there'll be a second season because, you know, everything gets resolved at the end. So satisfying ending, great story, worth the journey. So I highly recommend that. Um, awesome. Yeah. So apart from that, uh, TV wise, I've been watching a shit ton of Japanese wrestling. 
specifically New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, our last podcast was on the 21st. And since then, there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, I guess, wrestling events since then. Uh, wow. It's the Best of the Super Juniors uh, tournament, which they take, I believe it's 16 Super Junior, uh, or I guess, lightweight wrestlers. And it's a tournament to crown the best one. So there's guys from North America, like Chris Sabin. Uh, there's guys from the UK, like Marty Skrull, a whole bunch of Japanese guys. There's a few, I think there's one, uh, Mexican wrestler from the CMLL, uh, Dragon Lee. Um, it's really good. It, it's really good, but it's so much. So th- they've only broadcasted a few full shows, which is like an eight card or eight match card. Most of them are like their house shows. So they're traveling around Japan. And they're just, they're just airing online the four tournament matches, which I'm like, thank you, because I will watch everything. And if you don't show me everything, then I can't complain about it, you know, or I'm not getting the FOMO fear of missing out. So the main shows where they have all the matches are about two and a half hours of a show, or I guess, uh, an event. These, uh, four man or four match, uh, I guess events where they're only showing the, the tournament matches. They're about 60 to 75 minutes long. So, mm. you know, so it, it is, it is a lot of wrestling. Um, I've, I've caught up. I think I'm only the only, I actually, I have one match left to watch from yesterday's card, but there's another one tonight. So when I wake up in the morning, there'll be another batch of four, uh, four matches. And then there's also at the end of every card, they've got the backstage commentary. Or pardon me, backstage interviews where all the wrestlers come to the back after the match and they do promos. Um, I watch that as well because there's a lot of storytelling in these promos. And some of them are really funny. Some of them are really short, but they all add to this, to the character storylines because if somebody gets hurt, you know, uh, second or third match into the tournament and the rest of the card or rest of the tournament, you know, they're, they're taping up their, their shoulder. They're taping up their legs. So like the damage, because they wrestle every night. If it mm. isn't a tournament match, it's a tag team match for the tournament match the next day. So these guys are wrestling like 12 out of 14 days. Oh, wow. And so the wear and tear is part of the storyline into these, uh, into the matches. Yeah. So I'm enjoying them, but it's a lot of fucking wrestling. Like <laughs> I'm watching a lot of wrestling and I'm, it's almost at a point where it's getting to be a bit of a chore, but you yeah. know, I'll watch a match. Like again, it's four matches. And what happens is because they're only airing the four matches, every match has its own file. So I can watch oh. one match and then the file's over. I jump to the next match, but I have to click on the next match. Right. And I'm okay with that. So I don't have to time keep because, you know, let's say I start watching a card mm-hmm. um, and I have to leave. Well, when I start the card up again, it brings me back to the beginning. So I got to timestamp it like in a, in a word document, like, okay, I stopped at uh, this, at this time on right. at this card, you know, so at least with this, I don't have to, I just got to keep track on which match I'm on, which is really easy. Um, but yeah, so it, it's a lot. So like, you know, when I, when I wake up in the morning, I have a glass of water with my, with my supplements and I'll watch a match. Then I'll have my pre-workout, watch a match, go to the gym, and for some reason, I, I know you don't follow me on, on Facebook or you don't, you're not on Facebook very often, right. but for the last two days, when I'm doing cardio, for some fucking reason, they have the, t- so at the gym, 
at the carter machines uh some gyms have carter machines where there's a tv built into the machine oh okay yeah this gym does it it's a string of tvs hung up on uh, like on the wall yeah and you just have to tune into the channel of the tv right so i usually listen to podcasts but i like to just watch something as i zone out to listening to a podcast mm-hmm. well for the last few days there's been a few tvs that have been turned on to the tlc channel so when okay. i'm doing cardio they're airing uh my 600 pound life <laughs> so i go to sit down uh on my on my on the bike and I'm watching a really large black lady having a pizza for breakfast, but her <laughs> nether regions are blurred because oh her clothing isn't hiding everything for the camera. Um, so I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Oh, and plus it was a UK edition. So, oh gosh, good, good. Great. So I'm like, what the fuck? I don't want to watch this, you know? Hey, kitty. Um, that show could be so addicting, man. My my old boss talked about she would just like watch when she was off oh. one day. She would just watch the whole fucking day worth of six hundred sure. life. It's a circus sideshow. That's what TLC yeah. is. There's circus yeah. sideshows now. But I just don't want to watch this as I'm working out. Mm-hmm. I I really don't. I really really don't. It's motivation. So Mark. you see, that's everybody's saying, but it's not. It's fucking disgusting. But it's because not. <laughs> it's it's it, it, it's gross. Because then myself, when I got home in the evening. I had fucking Domino's pizza, you know. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like her, but I'm just not it on makes TV. You hungry for pizza? Oh no, it didn't. Oh. It didn't. But I'm like, I just don't feel like cooking, so I bought oh, Domino's. Anyways, man. long story short. So uh, to, to wrap all this around, uh, for some reason, uh, there's a self, there's a cell phone war happening in the province of Manitoba, my home province. Okay. So Rogers Telecom, which one of these uh, cell phone providers for yeah. the province of Manitoba, uh, they're offering crazy plans. So right now I had a, because I still have my Manitoba number because I'm like, I have free uh, cross country calling. Why would I change my, my phone to a local phone? I don't have to. Mm-hmm. So I was paying 90 bucks a month for a 10 gig plan, 10 gig cell data plan. And then it's like, you know, unlimited text messages, unlimited, you know, everything, right? Yeah. But for some reason now, this 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 war erupted, and for ten dollars more a month, I upgraded to a thirty gig plan. So I got thirty gigs of data on my phone. So wow. now, being flush with data every month, I could maybe start streaming stuff on my phone as I'm doing my workouts. Right. So yeah. so knowing that uh, I'm watching my six hundred pound life on uh, TLC isn't really helping me with my with my pace on my bike um i popped in some wrestling watched some wrestling carter went by faster than i expected so i might start doing that now as I turn off the podcast and watch some wrestling as i'm in cardio so yay um yeah i don't know why i started going down this path but anyways so watch <laughs> a lot of wrestling um and w- w- what's what's awesome what sucks is like there's so much content so i'm like yay um, I have a lot of stuff to watch, but after a while, you're like, "Fuck!" I still have a lot of stuff to watch. Right. <laughs> and and in July, it's the G1 climax, and it's like the best of Super Juniors, but it's all the heavyweights. And I think okay. that's all month. Less. This is like a two week tournament. I mm-hmm. think that takes like all of July. Good. So I'm gonna Lord. have. A, yeah. So I I legit don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> right. <laughs> because. Yeah. I kind of want to watch everything because it's good fucking like if it was shitty wrestling like oh let's say WWE um I wouldn't but it, it they're good matches they're really good matches so I'm enjoying it but I'm just getting a little too much you know mm-hmm. 
too much content, which is silly to hear, but that's just the case. So I don't know what I want to do for July. Um, mm. But the, the way my trip is in June, um, yeah. I'm only going to miss two or three uh, events. So I should be able to catch up as quickly as I get back home and then be ready for the G1 Climax, which will take over my viewing life for the next probably six weeks. So, yeah. Mm. But enough about that, right? Because this is a, a movie podcast. So let's talk about movies. Yeah, you're uh, fine. Yeah, so I watched a few things uh, this week, and I've been using uh, Twitter a bit more to broadcast because I do need those follows and those likes because your I'm so empty inside. Yeah, um, I don't know how to get popular on Twitter. I really don't. There's like film I think Twitter. Dick pics is the answer. You That's think so? Heard. I think oh, so. Oh man, I don't know. Yeah. I, ch- I chopped mine off last week, so I don't ah. know if I'll be able to reattach I, it. I'm I'm not sure on that. I. <laughs> no, well, maybe I'll ask for a second. Uh, well, maybe I'll ask if you. Want. I'll put a poll up and see if dick pics is the way to go. Um, anyways, Public will let so, us know. Yeah. Well, no, but I just don't know how to break through because, like, you know, I, I guess for us in our podcast, we're not doing as much as ever. maybe we should have like a bigger presence with our website with more articles and link. I don't know what to do. Honestly, I feel that you know, social media wise, it's I'm so fucking stagnant right now. I can't you know break whatever number i'm at but does it even matter i don't know anymore anyways movie wise <laughs> i watched a few movies this week uh i used twitter recently to uh promote what i've been watching you know i don't know how to i don't know how to break through twitter i don't i really don't <laughs> See, anyways <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> movie wise um I, I watched a bit of stuff here and there uh, um and everywhere <laughs> just because uh Ah, uh, man, I should, I should stop drinking. Anyways, um, <laughs> so I watched a few documentaries, uh, on Netflix. What I've been doing because my Netflix list has grown by leaps and bounds, unlike my Twitter followers, which I don't know what to do to increase the number. <laughs> Anyways, um, be- because I'm, I'm adding so many things on Netflix, but I'm not watching anything. I decided to scroll to the end of my Netflix queue and just see what pops up. And yeah. I'm just going to watch that. So. That this is why I watched from 2014 a documentary called Champs, which is about uh, boxing legends Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, and Bernard Hopkins. Yeah. Examines uh, how they started up in the uh, in the sport and how the sport changed them and how the sport left them behind, which I found really interesting. Uh, just because, like, I grew up in the era of Holyfield and Tyson, mm-hmm. so I have a bit of a uh, vested interest in these res- in these uh, boxers. Um, yeah. Bruno Hopkins, I didn't know as much, but I've heard a few interviews with him on the ONA show back in the day. So I had an idea of what the guy was. But uh, it's interesting. And again, if you like boxing, you'll like this documentary. If you have no, um, if you have no interest in boxing, then it's totally skippable. But I liked it. Not that I'm a boxing fan anymore. But again, I know these guys. No, no one's I'm aware a boxing of these fan guys. Anymore. Don't be yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> well, I know, right? Um, so yeah, so I give this, uh, I would say two and a half out of, uh, four stars okay. for champs. Again, if you like the subject matter, great. If not, well, you know, you can pass on. Uh, next one I watched was, uh, in a man, I, bad publicity or bad promotion for this film, a gray state from 2017. Now mm. it's about, it's, it's a documentary about a filmmaker, uh, by the name of David Crowley who was found dead with his wife and child, uh, I think just after Christmas in 2015. Hmm. And he is a former uh, army uh, vet, and he was filming uh, a movie about 
Uh, it's like a, a political film about how um, the police state will take over America. Okay. And the reason why I added this to my list is I saw that Warner Herzog was a negative producer. And mm-hmm. I like his – Warner Herzog's a funny guy. Uh, not, not funny, haha, but just like peculiar. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, I thought, you know, if he's actually producing this film about uh, this guy dead and how there's – people believe that it could be like a CIA hit squad that uh, killed him because his message was too close to the truth. Um, that interested me, right? Right. So I watched it. It's not that at all. I felt very duped by it. Mm. Um, I don't want to ruin it, oh, but I so do at the same time. <laughs> Fuck it. Plug your ears, children. Plug your ears. Yeah, uh, you know what? If you don't want a spoiler, uh, I mean, it, it is. A you're you're going to hear it anyways. Story, right? It's a, yeah, it's a real life story. Pretty much, yeah. I thought it'd be about like how the government went to silence this guy. But it's really about a guy who's got mental health issues and slowly withdrew himself and then killed his family. That's all it is. I oh. it, it was not how it was promoted, um, and, and that's why I felt angry as it was when it ended, um, because it's not what again I shouldn't expect to I shouldn't expect subject matter when it comes when it comes across my desk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I shouldn't assume it's just that, but just the way that the promos were geared towards like saying it was a US you know, a government conspiracy to silence him because of what he knew or what message he was he was promoting. Yeah. And it's not that. It's just the guy had mental health issues and just couldn't deal anymore. So I'm really bummed by it. I did not think it was a really good documentary. I didn't think it was really worth being a documentary. Um yeah, so whatever. Fuck fuck that movie. Uh yeah. I think I gave it uh I'm go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, ahead. go yeah. ahead with your rating. Yeah, I give it two and a half out of five. Uh, so I give it two out of four. Okay. Um, I don't think it's a piece of shit film. I yeah. just think that its message was blurred heavily, and that's why I didn't like it. But okay. it was still, it was still a well-made documentary. But it's just not what I expected, and not what I assumed it was. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Herzog is a director I need to give another chance to. I, I've always heard, you know, that he's – I always had this repu- – or heard his reputation of just being an incredible documentary filmmaker. And so I watched Into the Abyss, which is about um, like a death row inmate who um, is basically trying to say he's innocent. And it's kind of an examination of that story. Okay. And I was severely disappointed in it. Um, it – Herzog clearly has an opinion and he pushes it much too hard. And it's not that I disagree with or agree with his opinion. It's just that he pushes yeah. it so hard. And it just, it it was not in my book, not a good, that's not how a good documentary should be. And uh, so I, I was very disappointed in that. But like, I really want to see like Grizzly Man encounters at the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, you know, he has so many others that I really, I just need to give him another shot and see if there's anything else that I might like better. Just because Into the Abyss I thought was was pretty disappointing. Yeah, I uh, I watched that too, and I'm like, this is not a documentary about the making of the abyss. Like, there's no Ed Harris. <laughs> Thank God, because um, the abyss sucks so much ass. Oh, so that's you what? Get, oh, get oh, I think we just found a new podcast, Dark. Oh, Underwater horror that. movies. Underwater that horror movies. That movie yep, sucks. Uh, there we go. Are you serious? I hate the abyss. Yeah. Oh, I'm wait, gonna wait, I'm wait, gonna wait, mail wait, I'm gonna why, mail why your you wife the abyss. <laughs> I I don't want to. 
I know why one of my friends hates mm. hates the the Abyss because she doesn't like James Cameron. But uh, why why do you not like the Abyss? Just out of curiosity. Oh, it was, I think it was incredibly long and boring, and I hate the end with the stupid stuff. I don't want to ruin it. Obviously, I just I think it's it was such I, a drawn out, boring fucking movie. I could not stand it. I'm going to mail your wife a bar of soap so she can wash her mouth with it because that's <laughs> garbage. The Abyss is fantastic. Uh, I don't yeah. understand how that's not even a horror movie. Wait, wait, like, wait. Did you? Did, what sci-fi? Which it's version sci-fi. have you watched? Did you watch the theatrical uh, version or the well the other version's longer, but uh, it the adds longer a lot one to it? Uh, okay, Michael Bean is awesome in it. Yes, yeah, I know. Ash, we've talked about this before because you um, you asked me that exact same question. I mean, mind you, it was years ago now when we talked about it, but I remember <laughs> you asking me that same question before. You were so upset that I didn't like it. Ah, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's got a, it's pretty good. I like it too. Anyways, anyway, um, I got a few more. That, that reminds me of my favorite poster for Titanic. Actually, uh, it was he what? It's the There's a movie poster that was out for Titanic, and I don't remember what it was or what which oh. place was carrying it. But it just had the Titanic lit at night, and the top of the the poster read from the director of The Abyss and the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Featuring. Yeah. Uh, Featuring uh, Kate Winslet's boobies. <laughs> I like I like Cameron's other work. I love Aliens, Terminator. I mean, like you know. Yeah, but you have I a like hard for Avatar. You, you like Avatar I've, too, right? I've not seen Avatars. I don't know. You uh, haven't seen. Well, Avatar. I, I have. Uh, no. I actually that was one of the few movies we went and saw in 3D a couple of times because the 3D yeah was I remember damn you, good. And I swear to God, when we talked about Abyss last time, we had this exact conversation because I remember you saying Probably. that then too. It's funny too because uh, like. I liked Avatar coming out of the theaters, but now yeah. I can't watch it. It's fucking horrible. It's I, really I, bad. And they've got like three more movies coming. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see it. But I have it in 3D, so we got to watch it in my on my uh, my 120 inch and see how it looks. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, a few more flicks on my uh, end of things. Uh, so I came back from a break on a night shift, and uh, the guys at work and gals. Uh, had popped on Mad Max Fury Road. So mm. I saw like the last 10 minutes of Mad Max. I'm like, fuck, you know what? I've been here almost a year. I need to watch this on the big screen. So uh, I watched uh, Mad Max Fury Road and it still holds up. Fucking awesome. Yep. Uh, I, I do notice a bit more of the CGI this time. Uh, but for the amount of the practical, the CGI can be, you know, uh, put in the in the shadows. Who cares? It's still awesome. It sucks that they're in litigation and we might not get another one anytime soon. But uh, this movie holds up. It's my second favorite after the original Mad Max. Um, I yeah, so were in, like, that's uh, another litigation. What, what's going on with that? I think George Miller feels he deserves more of the profits of the film. And I guess he had some back backdoor deal or some bullshit i don't know exactly what it is uh, okay. but uh it's it's i think it's a profit sharing thing that he feels that he should be getting more and he didn't so yeah gotcha. i bet you we'll get another babe movie before we get another mad max movie that's one that i have um i was actually because i saw you talking about it, i was like you know i haven't seen that one yet and i have it downstairs really? and i really want to watch <gasps> it so i'm probably you gonna watch that one mad max uh, this week no that movie oh dude awesome. yeah I was like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a huge fan of the original Mad Max. Like, I think it's it's fine, but I wasn't. I wasn't as drawn to it as I thought I'd be the first time I watched it. It's unrelated. You know, um, you know what? Though? But Honestly, I know. I, interesting. I I got introduced I know, yeah. by, and by into Mad Max out of order, 
and I uh, actually like the Road Warrior, the sequel to the first Mad Max better than the original Mad Max. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I need I need to watch Road Warrior and uh, what's the third one? Uh, you don't Thunderdome. Have it's horrible. Yeah. Thunderdome is fucking horrible. There's, um, there's some there's, great lines in Thunderdome it? though, and Tina Turner in the, like the oh, middle bikini yeah. outfit. I mean, come on. Yeah, and God, Tina Turner. Eventually. Tina Turner does make the film, but it's a fucking horrible film when kids get involved. With, ugh, it's garbage. Um, I didn't like um, number two as much as number one. What I love about number one though is just how because it's low budget. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's an exploitation flick, and the villain of, or the act who played the villain in the first one, is the act who plays the villain in the in this one, which oh, is a no nice shit. little, yeah. So it's pretty That's fucking cool. cool. But plus, it's a Tom Hardy film mm-hmm. with Shirley Steron, and she kicks ass, and he's yes, he, he kicks ass. As, well, I, I just love mm-hmm. Tom Hardy, um, but yeah, uh, do see that dude. It's it's fantastic. It's fa- it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, I plan to very soon. So, yeah. Uh, so I watched that, and uh, then I did some uh, uh, some uh, homework uh, for my Kino Lorber, which uh, this got released yesterday. I watched Cop from 1988 yeah. with uh, with uh, James Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can read my review of Cop uh, on our Instagram and on our Facebook, and our link on our Twitter. Um, yeah. And please, if you like our Twitter, uh, like us so that uh, we can move up because we've plateaued in our numbers. Um, <laughs> but if you like a sleazy cop thriller, this one fits the bill. Uh, it's it's I really liked it. Um, I think how would I give this? How many stars? Yeah, I give it three and a half out of five. So I'd probably give this a solid three out of four stars. Um, James Woods is not a nice guy in general. No, yeah, and his character, yeah, and (laughs) his character is a piece of shit as well in this movie. So it's really well um, casted. Uh, But it's actually it's a fun film, like you know, for a CD cop movie. Um, But yeah, so that was Cop. And uh, today I watched another film in films I should have seen but I haven't seen yet list. Mm Uh, which this makes it number six out of 12. I'm not sure what uh, your guys, what you've gotten so far. I didn't see anything online. Okay. So you you have some catching up to do. I'm I'm getting on track. Yeah, I'm getting there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, Not disappointed. Just, you know, keep up. Uh, So (laughs) I watched, and I I know what you're going to say. How have you not seen this movie yet? Um, I haven't written my, my review yet because I just watched the film. So my 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 thoughts might change a bit on paper when I write it tomorrow. But I just walked from 1989 Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Oh, okay. Ha- have you seen it? No, I have not seen Roadhouse. No. What? Oh, so you're, in my, you're the same boat as I am. Yeah. Um, what? Watch you haven't it. seen Roadhouse? I'm sure Ash has. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure Ash has. Roadhouse, it's fucking Roadhouse amazing. Is the shit. Well, it was the shit when I was a teenager, but, you know. I haven't really yeah. watched it uh, since, but <laughs> not a critical darling, but holy fuck is this movie awesome. Um <laughs> so I like you know, I, I this to me is like a it's an A movie exploitation flick. You know? Yeah. Um, I agree with it's that. it's it's like a it's an A movie uh, drive-in classic. Um you know, it's got violence, it's got sex. It's got some cool lines. It's got some awesome hair. The cast mm. is amazing. You know, we've got Patrick Swayze. You've got Sam Elliott. Sam uh, Elliott fucking, is, is fucking awesome in that movie. I love but, him in that movie. Is there a movie that Sam Elliott is not awesome in? Like, he's fucking Sam Elliott. You know what I mean? He He's yeah, just like, okay in the Hulk movie he was in. 
Oh, okay. Who, wait, who was Fair he enough. in Hulk? <laughs> he played General Th- Wasn't he Thunderbolt? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, in the first one, the Ang Lee one. So that really doesn't count. It really doesn't <laughs> count. But, uh, like, Kaylee Lynch, oh my God, is she hot in this movie? Holy fuck. And apparently she doesn't even have a name. She's just known as Doc. I didn't even realize that. Um, so pretty much it's like, uh, Patrick Swayze, uh, he plays Dalton. Uh, he gets hired by this club manager to clean out his bar because he wants to make it a more classy establishment and it's pretty much no holds barred. Ah, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, body, uh, uh, bouncers in the bar. It's fucking, uh, uh, oh shit. Uh, oh, God damn it. The wrestler. Uh, it's tipping my tongue. Jesus Christ. Uh, now I gotta fucking look on, uh, on MDB. Oh, Terry oh, Funk? Terry Funk's in it. Yes. Oh I'm my sorry. God. Why am I thinking Phil? Gotta watch it. Phil. Yeah. And it's like awesome Terry Funk, like late eighties Terry Funk. Um, oh, so yes. you know, he doesn't look an old man yet. Um, so, so yeah, he's a bar, he's a, he's a bouncer in the bar. And, uh, I guess, you know, he wants to clean up this bar, but there's a like local mob. I would say mob, but just like rich guy, you know, I want to take over the town. A guy called Brad Wesley, who uh, doesn't like having Dalton in town. So it starts causing shit and it just escalates and escalates. Uh, Brad Wesley played by Ben Garza. Holy fuck. He plays such an awesome villain. He is such a son of a bitch. You want to round cock or round cock, <laughs> roundhouse kick him, <laughs> round cock him in the face. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, you want to roundhouse, <laughs> you want to roundhouse kick him. Maybe this will increase the Twitter numbers right in the face. Um, yeah, dude, this movie is awesome. I, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to put my thoughts to, to words tomorrow, but uh, I fucking loved it. And I am now kicking myself for not having seen this movie any sooner. You're roundhousing um, yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, right, right in my mouth. So yeah. <laughs> Roadhouse. Right in the mouth. <laughs> Roadhouse is awesome. Um, I'm now going to have to add a, a, a film for next year because I haven't seen Point Break yet, which is another like, what the fuck film. So, uh, yeah. I swear, I uh, think we talked about this, but all the films in your list, I feel like I haven't seen. So I'm right with you. Ah, well, then we have work to do, son. Uh, yeah. I have, my work's halfway done though. You have another 11 to go. But yeah, so with that said, that is my week in media. Excellent. I feel like it's as if we had a quote unquote business meeting before the podcast. And that's why Mark is like, got to get those numbers up. Like that's like one of our take, like one of our, uh, our, our hot points, our hot takes from the, from the meeting was got to get these numbers up. This didn't happen, but that's what it feels like. So I love your dedication, Mark. Good for you. I'm, just, I'm at a wit's end here. You know, I got all these people overseas and they can help us increase our podcast numbers. And I'm like, I think these are scams. You know, I give them a credit card number. And next thing I know, I got charges, but I got no fucking results. You know? Our Cinefessions email, it's always, hey, hey, I need help. Uh, I got this money. I need you to help wire to whatever country overseas, blah, blah, blah. It's like all of our fucking emails to uh, Cinefessions. But and hey. like, I don't know how a prince is going to help me with my podcast numbers. Exactly. But I don't get it. If you're going to give me $87 million, but if I only throw you two grand in your way, right. sure. That math makes sense to me, right? Yeah, that's a great percentage. You're you're doing a smart business decision, so go for it. D- does it sound like I'm going to crack? Because I, I'm not, but <laughs> I'm on the verge, you know? Uh, oh, man. All uh, right. Anyways. Let's move on to our review for the week. So we are talking, of course, about Psycho from 1998. 
So keep in mind, there will be spoilers for the entire Psycho series up to this point, potentially. Uh, so if you've not seen those films, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch them, come on back and hit play. So Psycho from 1998 saw an original U.S. US theatrical debut of December 4th, 1998. It was directed by Gus Van, uh, Gus Van Sant. Do you say Van Sant? Van Sant? I, I say Van Sant. Okay, good. good I think nice. it's Van Sant, though. It sounds like Van Sant. Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant. Ash, what do you say? Hack. Oh, I mean. <laughs> I feel no. like I've always said Van Sant. Uh, I, 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 I honestly, I'd forgotten what movies he directed. Yeah. Um, and I've actually not seen any of them except for this one. So. I yeah, think. and that's what I noticed too. He, the motherfuckers directed like 8 billion music videos, which I had no idea. But yeah, so whatever. We're calling him Gus Van Sant. And this, of course, was written by Joseph Stefano, but only because they just used the exact same script, except they added in the word Walkman and changed <laughs> it to, to uh, I'm jumping ahead. We'll, we'll get to that. Oh, so they also, an- they also added masturbation sounds to the script. Yes, exactly. Uh, it has, like I said, though, we're jumping ahead, so we'll get to it all. Yeah. has an IMDb score of 4.6 out of the 40,000. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Did I not change this? I might not have changed it because I realized I didn't update this as we were sitting here. Yeah, 40,887 votes, uh, 47 Metacritic score, 37% tomato meter score, but an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes with 28%. Currently has 2.16 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd based on 5,917 ratings. Had a $60 million budget, but a mere 15.685 worldwide cumulative gross. Good. We were discussing box office bombs amongst ourselves earlier today and good lord this fits the bill uh and it clocks in at 105 minutes of runtime so what is your history with the psycho remake ash oh 145 no uh 105 minutes so an hour and 45 minutes i'm smart okay you're you're using imperial i'm using metric never mind (laughs) okay so (laughs) right um yes I, I actually had seen it before, uh, I kind of. Uh, I basically ended up having to watch this the same way this time that I did the last time and have something else going on while it was on the screen because I kind of fell asleep the first time I watched it. And missed <laughs> uh, gotcha. So that's kind of my experience with it. Okay. And what about you, uh, Mark? Uh, I never saw it. Um, oh, okay. And the reason why is because I heard it was a shot-for-shot remake of the original, yeah. and I had no interest in seeing the original at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, so this never really did anything for me. Yeah, yeah. So I never seeked it out, never never bought it. Yeah, nothing. And usually, like, you know, knowing me, I have a lot of movies in my backlog list. And uh, yeah, never bought this film. Did you buy it for this one or did you rent it? No, it was on Netflix Canada. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it wasn't on Netflix US. So I, I did have to pay for it. I, I rented it on uh, Amazon Instant. Uh, it was only like four bucks or something, three bucks, but still. Uh, yeah. So I don't I don't own it either, but I did rent it. So excellent. And, you know, all right. and, and being a completist, because now I've got all the other uh, cycles. Yeah. Um, uh, I should, you know, I'll save them for my ending thoughts. Yeah. Mind. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, right at the beginning, I wrote down, well, it's a good start using the original music, but actually it's not really the original music. Like it, it is, but it's kind of redone by uh, Danny Elfman and somebody else. Like his name, I'm forgetting. Charles Band, maybe? <laughs> I, Fucking... I, don't, I don't think that's it, but um, no, um, yeah. But anyway, so. It w- no, they don't have it on the uh, on the wiki page. It's just, they just have 
Danny Elfman adapting. I know I do remember them saying somebody else had helped adapt it though. Yeah, and I uh Bernard Herman, that was the original. He's the one though, who did the original, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. so whatever. Um yeah, so it's not but I mean it it feels like the original music. I didn't know that until I read it that it wasn't just his music. So I mean like I think that was fine. I liked the music in the film. I thought it worked uh, well because it worked well in the original. Um and I liked the opening title sequence. I thought it was really interesting. But I feel like my problem started right from the beginning because what color is synonymous with the psycho films? To me, black and white. <laughs> well, black and white, yes, but what a splash of color is red. I mean that like if you watch any of the sequels, if you know, we had like I think it was Psycho 2 that opens up with like the red background and then, you know, red psycho popping across the screen because we made mention of it. Like to me red and, and if you look at the original poster, I think that, you know, has shades of red in it. Um it doesn't. It's yellow. But either way, the rest of the sequels have red. And so red is my color for Psycho. And we get green here, kind of like a bright green, and that just felt weird to me. And it kind of kicked, jumpstart this whole idea that I felt throughout that just Vincent, Vincent did not have the grasp on the original that I wanted him to have or the respect for the original that I kind of wanted him to have. And that might be weird, oh, but I think I'll explain oh, it. No, no, he, he respects the original so much that he copied most of the freaking shots of the film. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. con- we'll continue with that. But yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think I'm going to start right from the beginning. But. I, I think as much as he has reverence for the original, he still wants mm-hmm. to put his twist on it, which is apparent throughout the film now. Um, I think what really struck me uh, with the green, uh, and it's funny, I didn't really like think twice about the green during the title credits, but what the green, when the green surprised him in the film was when... Um, and uh, character uh, Marion, when she goes back to her uh, apartment and uh, when she's got that $400,000, you know, in the original film, she was wearing a black bra and panty set. Right. And in this one, she's wearing green. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's what – that's the first time the colors really struck me as like, oh, that's interesting. And, Again, and, it's a it's a color film, but uh, it's just right. like that's where I first noticed the green in the film was like when she like her bra was green, and uh, well, it should be black or at least you know if you're being faithful to the film, right? And it's interesting because actually her bra in in like bra and panty set in the opening sequence was I think it was orange I want to say, whereas it was white in the original. It's possible. Is it possible? I don't that recall. That was noticeable to me just because of our analysis of the original. It doesn't hurt. I don't think it hurts the film in any way or anything. It's just something I noticed. Um, well, I, I'm not, I'm not one, you know, to to believe in like the you know the power of colors and stuff like that. But like how black is to white is pink to green. Maybe I I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. This is the case probably the wrong t- wrong group of people to talk about. But, <laughs> right. But I'm I'm just wondering if there's like a like a you know how you know. If there's a strong link from like pink to green, like there is, or is it pink or is it orange? You said it was orange? I thought it was orange. Maybe it was pink. I don't remember. It wasn't white. I didn't write it down for some reason, but um, yeah, it wasn't white is what I noticed. It was either orange or pink or something like that, but yeah. That said, the opening Uh, shot that they have like from the credits, like they kind of like do this shot over the city and then it zooms into the room all in like one take. 
it looks like. Apparently, that was what Hitchcock kind of wanted for the original, but the technology wasn't there at the time. And so they had to settle for what they did. And so I like I liked that. I thought it was a really cool kind of swooping shot to the uh, specific hotel room window. I really like that. Yeah. Again, in my in my mind, I'm thinking this is the perfect shot for shot remake. And I thought the intro was very similar to the original, except for the whole going. Th- did they go through the window? Yeah, they didn't. Did or, they? Well, they went to the window. I guess I don't to the window. They went not through. through. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, no, they didn't and, go through because the blinds were down, so they just kind of stopped on the outside and then cut in. I think if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, like, I didn't know, I, I know Ash had put in our group thread about, you know, what a cast this film has. Oh, my God. I didn't, I didn't look to see who was in the film. Yeah. So, I was curious to see, you know, who plays what, because I now have a fond appreciation for the first film, mm-hmm. which I did not have before this arc started. Right. Um, so, then to see Sam Loomis played by Viggo Mortensen, mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed by that. Mm. Okay. I. I didn't. I didn't like his accent. Um, yeah, his accent was something. I, th- like, I thought he, he's from like Southern California. They don't have accents. So, like, I didn't understand well, why well, he <laughs> had such a thick accent. Like one of the one of the comments I made when we were when I was talking about this with my wife was that they got all these great actors and they underutilized every single one of them. Um, and then she made the comment, oh, "Well, Viggo Mortensen's only good when he has long hair." So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i don't i guess i i wouldn't be able to tell you i know i've i know him but i guess i wouldn't be able to tell you without looking what other films i know him from lord of the rings the lord yeah, of the rings have haven't seen lord of the rings uh, eastern promises yeah history of violence um the uh, eastern promises movie. is awesome uh, horse movie god damn it uh diago or texas Hidalgo. Hidalgo. texas Hidalgo. chainsaw three he's he's in a third texas chainsaw that I know is him it? from, but like nothing else yeah. anybody said. But yeah, I know him from Chainsaw Three. So yeah, I like I like him as an actor. I just don't like him in this role at all. I thought yeah, he wasn't I didn't properly like cast him in this either. I I, I didn't like. I, I love the actors in this movie. I don't like any of them in the roles that they're in, like at all. I I almost I think would, that Vika Mortensen would have been a better Norman. Honestly, I think that would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I don't know. So. Yeah, anyway, that said, sorry, I liked <laughs> I liked Anne Hesh as Marion. Um I thought that her take on the character so let let's talk about what we already talked about. This is they use the same script and that was kind of weird to me because you have like especially in the opening when we're trying to just get used to it, like the things they say are just not things that people would normally say in the late 90s versus what they would say in 1960. Like the language that is used is different. It it changes yeah. over time, and it just doesn't feel like a, a conversation that would be well, happening in 1998. And that bothers me. That's the thing is like it's you know they they use the original script, mm-hmm. and I find especially Marin, she kind of still dressed apart like a 1960s uh, woman. Mm-hmm. Like when she's wearing her pink outfit, her pink uh, I guess work outfit. Right. It felt very vintage to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still set in the nineties or like late nineties. Yeah. And you know, it's not your parents cycle because you do see, um, a Viggo Mortensen's ass in the film, which wouldn't have passed censors back in uh, 1960. Right. And you There's hear people reason, fucking though, in the next uh, hotel room. 
that yeah, too. There's a, there's a reason though that everybody looks like they're from the 60s. The uh, the costume designer originally thought that the movie was going to be a period piece, so she bought clothing from the 60s. really. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Oh well, there you go. That's really weird. Um, I, I it didn't help. I don't think the. I don't know. I, well, I'll, I think I'll it added to the. Oh, go ahead. It it added to the cuteness to Marin's character, like you know. And hey, she, uh, she has big. Everybody has big shoes to fill in this film. Mm-hmm. Not everybody does it, but I thought Anne was one of the better actresses or yeah. actors uh, in the film. I thought she did her role just fine. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I really liked her in this. Honestly, and it might be sacrilege. I think, and it's not even that. I think one is better than the other, but I liked the Marion in this one better than the Marion in the original. And again, I, I guess it's not that I think one is better than the other. It's just I liked her take on it more i guess than okay. the original but uh and and i feel like i only know her from her small role and i know what you did last summer like that's what <laughs> i think of when i think of Anne hash and so like i know she's in a bunch of other shit and that's such oh, a small role but that's what i know yeah. her as you know volcano is awesome there you go oh <laughs> uh, go. i'm gonna pretend you didn't say that if, if you want to watch a really good film Mm-hmm. With her don't, and don't uh, Sa- her and Sandra O, oh, there's a film they made in 2016. It's on. I saw it on Netflix. Yeah, it's called Cat Fight, and it's about like two rivals. And if think about the Family Guy with Peter Griffin and the chicken, mm-hmm. you know that and the, how they fight in the the earlier seasons. You know, like just drag out, knock them fights. Oh yeah. Uh, this is what they have in this movie, like multiple times. It's brutal fights, and it's hmm. really – I would say it's awesome, but it's really interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I remember you talking about that last year, a couple of years ago, whatever it was. I remember yeah, you I did that. it for my Alpha to Zulu Alpha Challenge. That was okay. one of the films last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it, interesting film if you're looking for some Anne Hesh stuff to watch. Oh, John Q. She was in John Q. I loved her in that. Oh, I didn't see that. That's with uh, Denzel, right? Yeah, yeah, Denzel. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I never saw that film. Um, but yeah, so yeah, but I'm with you. I, I I thought she was I thought she was good here. Um, it was so weird. Like I had to watch it again because obviously everybody knows. Well, I'm sure because we talked about it, but the the Hitchcock cameo in the original film is right when Marion is walking in after having, you know, after being at the hotel, she walks into work and Hitchcock is standing outside the office. Well, I, it happened and I was like, wait, like I, I'd almost felt like they interposed that scene and like put it in color. And I was like, what's going on? Cause it looked like Hitchcock was standing there. Well, obviously what it is, is a Hitchcock lookalike standing there. And apparently he's supposed to be scolding Gus Van Sant. And that's Van Sant's cameo spot as well. And I, so I thought that was really interesting. But I had to go back and be like, what did I just see? And so after the, after the movie ended, I went back to the beginning to uh, to catch it again. But I thought that was kind of cool the way he oh, did that's, that. That's funny. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I thought that was, a, that was a cute little moment. So it's interesting. So we talked about how in the original, I forget what it was, like 30000 or whatever, it, whatever the original amount was. It came out to being like 365000 in 2018 money. Well, this time they have $400,000 in cash and 1998 funds. And so they just have a shit ton more of money this time around. I thought that was hilarious. But a very good way to set just how much cash is uh, is actually at hand here. So I thought that was good. 
Yeah, well, uh, you know, they couldn't have used the same amount of money just no, because, no, like, who obviously. cares, 40000 exactly. But 400000 that's that's quite a bit of cash. So yeah. it, it just it increases her, her guilt. Right. Yeah. And then there was that, that delivery of the line, sometimes I can keep my mouth shut, like, even more disgusting in this than it was in the original. Um, by uh, I forget what I forget what that guy's name was in the beginning. Uh, uh, Tom Lowry. Cassidy. Yeah. Oh, yes. uh, no, that's 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 a boss, Miss. Right, right. Yeah. So Tom Cassidy. Yeah. Chad Everett was just gross. And then they add in a line that was originally cut from the original script when um, Marion walks in and is like, "Hey, can I go home?" And he's like, "Oh, you need to go to Vegas. It's like the best playland in the country in the world, or some shit like that." And she's like, "Well, I'm just going to spend the weekend in bed." And he's and he responds with. Oh, that's an even better playland, or, or some. It's not. That's not it perfectly, but it's something along those lines. And apparently, that was yeah. in the original script, but cut due to the due to they didn't want the censors to, you know, can them basically. So, oh, I, I didn't know that, but I did. I did recognize that extra line. Yeah, you know, or not recognize, but just noticed it. And I'm like, right, right, okay. So they're gonna make this a little grosser now, like, mm-hmm. the, like in. I guess you couldn't get away with a lot back then, or yeah. they did in this film already, but still, you know. So, how that one, like the original cycle, feels a little, you know, safe, let's mm-hmm. say. Uh, this one seems more, I wouldn't say adult, but it just seems a little grimier or a little, a little seedier, which I guess matches the aesthetic of the hotel, which is kind of seedy to begin with. Right. But, uh, it's like they're adding that extra level to make this a, a really a harder R film, you know? Right. Uh, that's how I got it. I just felt, I felt dirtier watching this one. Hmm. Yeah. I thought, so one part that I was interested to see how it was going to respond, because I, and I wrote down, I was like, God, this interaction with the cop is going to be even harder to buy seeing as we're not in the sixties anymore. Um, but I think her demeanor toward the police officer made it much more believable for the time we were in. Um, but what was yeah. interesting was with the cop, like the cop mm-hmm. did the exact same like mannerisms, the exact same like leaning and everything as the cop in the original. And I was just like, I, it was kind of, it kind of, it didn't bother me, I guess, but I was just like, I noticed it because I was like, damn, like motherfucker like you watch this a hundred times and you're just doing the exact same shit which obviously it's just van sant telling him what to do most likely but still like just like move for move was felt the same to me and that bothered yeah, me a little bit but i think that's what but that's what gus van sant wanted right oh i'm sure he wanted you know yeah, i'm he, not blaming the actor i'm blaming the director fully yeah yeah uh J- again james remar which i like a lot mm-hmm. you know um but uh i i felt that uh and marion sounded like she she just sounded out of place out of sorts so i can understand uh the patrolman's concern for her in this one yeah more than the first one because she honestly she was acting pretty sketch Mm -hmm. you know sleeping and then you know being woken up and oh you're wasting my time i have to be somewhere while you were sleeping in your car yeah so she sounds like she was maybe on something and you know so i can in the first film, I felt the patrolman was kind of pushing. I'm like, why is he following her so much? Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, I felt it was more justified. Uh, yes, I did. T- I and I agree with you there, absolutely. And that and that it's just another reason why I really liked this Marion. But, um, and I'm trying to think because obviously this is you know a shot for shot remake, and I'm trying to think like the other, the other shot for shot remake I can think of that I just um, I liked the original better even though it's basically the same movie was uh quarantine 
against Wreck. Yes. I love Wreck. I hate quarantine. And really? so, yeah, I'm well, kind of the see, oh, same yeah, we've way. We've had with this conversation this, but, before, but I, yeah. I, I actually, I've never seen the first Wreck though. I've only oh, seen Quarantine, God. and I love Need Quarantine. Oh, it's the same thing. It just it's in Spanish and better. Yes, I, I, I like both. Quarantine Two doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, Quarantine but, uh, Two is is nothing like the rest. Of the, like, no, it's not a remake of Wreck Two. Yeah, it's bad. But uh, no, I I, I agree. Uh, I think Wreck is better, but I did like Quarantine a lot too, though. Yeah, I didn't like it. That it's one. just, I think it's, it's because uh, I hate that actor. I didn't like the actress. Couldn't oh, you don't her. like uh, another Dexter alum? Um, Je- I think her name was just Jennifer Carpenter, I think. Pretty oh, I sure. think you're right. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like I may have liked her in something else. I just, I don't know what it was. I just did not like her in that. But anyway, that's yeah. a sidetrack. It, it, it's just, it, it's a film that doesn't need to be remade mm-hmm. shot for shot. You know, like watch Wreck with subtitles or watch a dubbed version if you have to. Right. You don't have to remake it shot for shot. See, when I. Like, well, even the special yeah. effects are the same. Yeah. Well, and, and then when I saw Quarantine, I didn't know it was a remake at all. Like, I hadn't done any research on it. I hadn't looked mm-hmm. it up. We just saw the trailer for it. And I'm like, oh, that looks neat. Let's go see that. So. Yeah. Um. So. Oh, man. I loved when she's getting out of the car. It's like. God bless the 90s. She puts on those orange colored lensed glasses and then pulls out her orange umbrella. That shit was cracking me up. I was like, oh my God, this is so, that was definitely the 90s. And that made me laugh. I love that. Yeah. I thought the sun umbrella was a bit much, but I yeah. liked her glasses though. Like, why draw attention to yourself with it? Cause like, like, that's drawing attention to yourself. And I just didn't understand that. But hey, you, you do you. I'm watching this scene and I can hear Sixpence and the Richer hummed in the background, you know, <laughs> so it's a product of its time. One thing I like that they added in was the fact that they are going to like check out her car that she's trading in because you wouldn't just be like, yeah, here's my car. Take it. And I'm going to go. Like, I like that they added in here, whatever your name is, come look at her car to, to get the trade in value. I like that. Um, especially someone who was recently car shopping because obviously they do that. Um, and so I like that. I like that addition. Uh, brings it to the right era, I feel, a bit better. Um, yeah. W- what I didn't like about the scene is I, I felt bad for the guy playing the um, car salesman. because he loved the just original so much. I do. And I just yeah. don't find uh, his verbiage would work in a late 90s setting. Exa- exactly. That's the problem. They just don't talk like they used to. People don't yeah. talk like they did then. So. Like well, you can be a smooth talker. There's, there's the other thing though too with with media. A lot of the way um, the way they talk in film and everything isn't necessarily the way they talked at that time. It's the way they thought people should talk, or you know, it, there was like a there's like a film speak to it. Like when I'm watching um, watching some of the old 50s and 60s like sci-fi movies, um, my wife will pick up on it. And she's like, I hate the way they talk. <laughs> and it's it's just it's the way they the way they enunciate it's almost like the stage actors going to screen and and, yeah. and they kind of wrote it that way i think the original that way um uh, but I'll, yeah. I'll agree with you with that it does have a different like it's got a singy songy almost tone to it mm-hmm. which i just now uh feel movies of that era would have that right. um, like this is and, post pulp fiction like this is yeah <laughs> This is n- not now because it's fucking 20 years ago, but you know what I mean. Like, this is now yeah. 
for us, basically. It, like I, nobody in the contemporary film would speak that way. Exactly. Uh, you know, you'll you'll have your your shtick as a salesperson, but it won't be as hokey sounding as it does. You know, you know, thirty forty years prior. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the issue I have with them using that original script because I think you're absolutely right, Ash. And I think that's why why it doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, and I also like that I felt like Marion was a bit better at hiding her nerves in this, especially with the car dealer. And I think that works better because, I mean, she's not good at it, but she's a bit better, which I feel like you need to be given the year this takes place because people are just more suspicious in 1998 than they were in 1960. And so you need to be a little better in order to make this work. And so I like that she was that, that worked for me. I, I, I just think like, you know, again, you know, this is what, 30 years ago now, 20, 20, 20 yeah. years ago. So, yeah. Mac in uh, metric math. Um, See, that wasn't me this time, Ash. You know, I don't hear a goddamn peep. Yeah. You asshole. Uh, you know, I, I ripped on him, you know, for, for hockey earlier. So. <laughs> pass on it this time. Oh, man. Um, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Fuck. I know. It was 20 years ago. Uh, uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, that's all right. I'm sure it was, uh, it'll come back to you. So the, uh, the night driving scene, I thought it just, it's exactly the same as the original. Um, but I mean, it works because it prompts her to pull into the motel. I can see why she's doing it. The motivation is there because you can't see a fucking thing. So I think that works. Um, I actually really liked the new Bates Motel sign. It was just perfectly like, nondescript which to me is what i think of for 90s hotels like that's just what i remember seeing well see and the the thing that irritated me about this one it it was it was and and then i and my wife got pointed it out to me and i'm like you know i got to thinking about it i'm like okay yeah but it it feels too nondescript even the house it's just like like the original had this kind of like charm to it and this one's just like yeah Eh, any old fucking house will do. Yeah, we got a shit box out here. We'll call it a hotel. And it, but at the same time, though, it feels like you wouldn't drive into this place expecting something creepy to fucking happen or to get murdered or anything like that either, though. So right, it was just right. like, yeah, it was like it, at the one time I was pissed because it's like there's just nothing about this that even remotely screams you know something bad's gonna happen but at the same time yeah that that kind of works so i don't and know i think I'm that's the thing that. like in the original the, the the bates mansion or the bates home is a character in itself especially us going through the series we spent so much time in the bates home like it is a character in itself and it is just so like like we're saying non-descript. It is so nothing in this film that mm-hmm. I think that's a huge disservice to what it could and should be. And again, I think it just goes back to Van Sant missed the little things that made the original so special. And that's another of the little things. And I'll talk about more of those as we go on. But that's just another one of them. Seeing. So Vince Vaughn, like I know Vince Vaughn as this comedic actor um, who's just this incredibly charming, like naturally charismatic guy and so seeing him as norman i thought was very interesting and i was really curious when i first saw him like how it was going to work and it was kind of jumping on that it was crazy to me because like i said i think vince vaughn is just naturally he is a charismatic guy you can love him or you can hate him but i think he's just naturally charismatic which would lend itself perfectly for norman yet he somehow 
less charismatic than Perkins was in the role. And it, it just doesn't work as well. Like, it's like he's perfectly trying to be, he's perfectly trying to play creepy more than anything. And that's just, to me, that's not the right way to go with this character. Norman works because of his charm, not in spite of it. And I feel like Van Sant, he, you know, as the director, he should have picked up on that. And it's, again, it's just one of those small things that he's missing. Um, yeah, like Bates, I, Norman misses the intensity that Norman possesses during some of the scenes, which make the original almost scary because you don't know when he's going to snap or if he's going to snap. Where here, it's just like, ah, uh, he never, he never gets to that point. And I really think that's on Van Sant. I find Vince Vaughn's portrayal of Norman Bates, um, he's got the creep factor down pat, but like you mentioned, he's got no charisma whatsoever. Um, in the original, I was actually blown away by Perkins's um, portrayal of Bates just because I wasn't actually sure. Because again, before we started this arc, all I knew is that he was the mom. And that, you know, he stabbed the girl in the shower. I didn't know anything else. So his performance blew me away. Um, Vince's performance did absolutely nothing for me. Um, he looks like he, Norman Bates to me in this remake could totally be a pedophile. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's, you know what I mean? He's very like the second time we meet him when, uh, uh, comes back, he's very effeminate. And I'm like, that's, that's an interesting choice. Like I, I could see because he's playing, he's the mom also, but like just the way he acts was so unusual. And again, I felt like it just hurt who, who Norman could be or should be. Maybe this film would have been better if the original cycle was not released. And so then we'd have a more objective uh, perspective to uh, Vince Vince Vaughn's portrayal of the character. But in this one, you know, since they use the same script, he's doing the same lines. Um, because of such a fondness for Perkins, um, Vaughn just felt stale to me. It was like it's like a, a microwaved uh, leftover from the night before. And uh, myself, if I was staying at this hotel, I probably would have moved on to the next hotel down the highway. I, I can't see anybody wanting to stay there after having him, especially their interaction with uh, Marion and Norman when Norman gives her uh, the food in the parlor. Yeah. He goes, like, in the original, he could carry a conversation mm-hmm. and because he's quite eloquent, you know? And this one, he, he's like, he's got this stunted growth. Uh, issue where yeah. he doesn't really know how to talk to ladies right. you know it's like I'll watch you from afar but I can't really carry a conversation with you he's got these triggers that aren't really as apparent in the first film mm-hmm. um, I, I, I I just felt that he seemed more of a basket case like you, you know he's a basket case right away in the first film it, you don't until the end the shot, that- or or probably you, you don't until you know the the first kill, right? Uh, you don't expect from him, but with this one, you can see right him right away. The shot that proves to me that Van Sant just didn't get it is when he shows Norman later on. I think it's like the after the second kill. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, uh, Milton comes back, or not Milton. Uh, Loomis comes back and he's yelling for Arbogast, and they have yeah. that shot of Norman turning to the camera and just looking creepily at the camera like it's a cool shot i like the shot but that just proves me that he just doesn't understand 
Norman in in the way that he should as being the director of this film because that's yeah. not Norman Bates like it's Norman is is suppressing this like he's a normal guy on the outside but this is just something else that comes out that killed me um, well, I, I find that uh, Vince kept staring at the camera like Nicholson was stare at the camera in The Shining Shining yeah you know, like I'd be surprised if his letter doesn't say no red rum all over the place. Um, <laughs> he, he just, I don't, I don't know. I, I just didn't like it. You're talking about the, the scene with him and Mary. And I feel like, again, it's just the little things that add up that Van Sant missed. And there's a moment in the original that almost, almost sets the, the second half of the film into motion. And it's, the conversation that Marion is having with Norman makes her realize that she has quote unquote stepped into a personal trap and is going to correct it. So she goes back to her room and decides to take the shower because she's a new woman at this point and she's going to correct her mistake. And that's then leads into her death and so on and so forth here. The conversation is all about how awkward Norman is, how weird he is acting and the fact her realization it would it's such a disservice to Anne Hash because the realization that Marion's character needs to make there to bounce this into the second half of the film is completely washed over and missed. Yeah. And at the end, it's just like boom. Oh, that's right. I think I stepped into a, serp- a personal trap that she brings up, and it's like where did where did that come from? That moment of realization and and the believability that you just had a conversation that could actually manifest a thought that changes you. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah, like he, I, he, he fucked up. He fucked up that scene badly. You're totally right. Because in the first film, you know, she realizes her mistake and she's going to make good on it. And this one, Bates keeps like, you know, over emoting on these yes. mommy issues. Yes. And I can't see how he makes her reconsider her actions in any way. Yeah, exactly. It's just. <laughs> It's like I said, I feel like it's such a disservice to the actress who was trying to play a motivation there. And it, it yeah. I missed it. Ash, what, what did you think of uh, Bates, of uh, Vaughn as Bates? I, I don't think he was right for the part. I think not necessarily that he wasn't right for the part, but they, they had him playing it so weird. And it just, it, I, yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't even creepy to me in like a bad way. He was creepy more in a way like, Okay, this guy's just completely socially totally inept and everything else and just eh. And there were, mm-hmm. like like you said though, there was no no charisma through the scene through the scenes. I uh there, there there's a scene later where he's talking where they're having a conversation with Viggo Mortensen's character. And there's just Yes. It is so dull. I was yawning i'm like come on get this over with and just yeah it there's there's no energy to it 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 just it's lacking yeah and in the original that that scene is so important one it's important in the book and two it's important in the original film because it builds up to this climax of where's that girl you came with and then that's what sets him off in the physical violence like you can't ah it's just it makes me so upset like the actor has to have the motivation there and the person that's not giving that is the director like he's just screwing them over because he needs to have that scene build to this point where physical violence is the answer and he doesn't do that for him so i i don't think i don't put all the blame on vince vaughn and his character choices i put more of it on the director in this one which yeah you know well, just yeah. you know 
it is what it is, but um, I just think they could have done so much more. And then adding in that, so I mentioned last week, there was one scene I remembered from this remake because I, I don't, and having watched it now, I'm certain I didn't watch the whole thing. I think I watched parts of it and then fell asleep or <laughs> left the room or whatever. Um, but watching this, the one scene I remembered was this masturbation scene. And, and then, and then, you know, this is, it pops up here. And I was like, again, it's just, this is not what Norman Bates is about, man. Like he suppresses this shit. Like, ah, it, he doesn't have the release. His release is the murder of that his release is not jacking off onto the wall like it's just so amateur and just so juvenile it just it's frustrating it just makes me upset to think about did the do you think the what did the masturbation scene add for you guys if anything nothing okay uh i i thought i thought it was actually quite gross to be honest with you yeah uh, because in the first film he's a peeper okay right um and then him, like, so he's peering at her through the hole. Then I hear the unzipping of his pants. I'm like, no way. <laughs> and then the fucking, the, and then the, the fucking jerk off sounds. Yeah. It adds com- absolutely nothing to the film. And I was, I was skeeved out. And this is, yeah, it, it, to me, it, I, I was repulsed, to be honest with you. And it's weird. Because I I think now I I, sh- I see uh, Psycho as a classic, yeah. And like and as you know from the first uh, or I guess from the fourth Psycho film, uh, girls came on to him a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, we know you know what I mean. All of these Psycho films, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, so, you know, the first one and the fourth one are technically the one or canon two, but, or whatever. What yeah. Yeah, so to him to to, to peep and, and jerk off, like I, I guess if you're peeping, you will jerk. I I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, if there were no, if the censors of today were there back then, would they have? Like, is it in Hitchcock's script that he's jerking off? I I, I don't know. I can't I don't imagine. Know. I can't imagine. I I don't know. You're right. I don't know, but I can't imagine that. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh. Stefano, yeah, Joseph Stefano had that in his original script. I just can't see it. Yeah, but, but I, I, it's I just, not I in know, the just, book. It's not in the book. That's for sure. Like I, I never in my life think I needed to see and hear uh, Vince Vaughn jerking off. Yeah, um, and, and, we and now even, I have. We don't and I'm not a better person for it. Yeah, and we don't even get to see Anne Hesh naked. I'm like, really? Like we get like a quarter second of a glimpse as she turns. But I'm like, really? We don't even get to see her naked. That's cool. I'm I, used to I the also sequel, found so nudity. Damn it. Yeah, I, I also found her death scene uh, not as good as the original. Yeah, um, I, as, I didn't like yes, it either. That's correct. Like, that's the only right opinion. Like, you are so right, man. I'm right with you. Like, but, and, and I, oh. I found the body like she had two gashes on her back. Yeah, and I thought the way that, you know the way they film it is like she stabbed multiple times. I didn't feel there was enough trauma on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her end position where she's kind of like almost like over like over a barrel yeah. you know um I, I i thought that wasn't really necessary um the way she like her death sprawl where like you know you move the camera you know an inch and like you you would be able to see her vagina um i don't know I, and i guess just because i'm romanticizing the original film now where i'm like oh this is gross um 
I, I just, I just find, I just found the, the uh, just the way it was handled. Not, I don't know. It just, it, it just bugged me. It's, it's unsettling. It's not as intelligent as the original. Like in the original, each cut was a representative of a slice to the body. You know, a, a cut yeah. to the skin. And they didn't really do that here. And then they intersperse in like, was this the one where they interspersed in like the thunderstorm or was that later? I think this was the one where they have like the th- the thunderstorm in between cuts of the stabbing. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why? Yeah. Why are you doing yeah. this? Like, this is fucking well, stupid. Well, and the other thing that on the, on Wikipedia, they've got a shot of the original. It's the same shot from the original and the remake. And mm-hmm. and Hash's character's got her arm kind of slowly reaching out, and and then you know, they've got the the Marion Crane from the first one, and yeah. um, the first one, it looks like a natural position, like you know, stop, you know, stop doing this to me, type of thing, right? You know, and the remake one, it's like, well, she did this in the original, so we need you to pose for this one here, and just kind of hold this position, yeah. And and like her arms and, not stretched out all the way, it just looks awkward. Like she's alligator yeah. arming it. Like I just I don't yeah. get it. Her eyes are like wide open. It's just like you know, it's like yeah. I I don't know. It there's a lot that just doesn't work for me in that whole sequence. It's just there's no like okay. Basically, it's like mastercraft mastercraft storytelling with film time. So, so the first film, like you've got all these great cuts that cut with the music, they cut the visuals, it all works together really well. Um, it's the same thing Spielberg does with Jaws and the music and the way they shot it and everything else, and you know, and other horror movies of that, you know, genre, that kind of filmmaking. And the they, it's like Van Sant just like, eh, we're just gonna try to emulate it and go, and, and he without studying what works and it just it doesn't it's not scary it's not creepy it's just kind of okay yeah we're just we're doing it this way because they did it in the original and there's no other than that there was no doesn't feel like there's any thought behind it right no i agree Uh, i i just find if you look at the first film and you look at uh, this one this 98 remake just feels more like an exploitation Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they exploited a lot of the and exaggerated a lot of the senior moments in the first film. Right. Um, I don't know if that's what the temperature of the audience was back then to need that. Mm-hmm. Um, nope, because it bombed. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly don't remember even seeing the film in theaters. I guess it didn't last very long. Um, and I wasn't a whore at that point. It just, this film just glazed over me. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just find it's, it's a little more, it's just, it's more exploitative. And that's what I, I think one of the big things I don't like about what I've seen so far with this movie where we're at right now. Right, right. And let me just make a correction here. I, I don't know why I just noticed that, um, I said that the cumulative world arrows is 15.685. But actually, the the U.S. gross was twenty one point four five six, and so obviously the domestic worldwide would be more than that. So I don't I don't know what the hell the numbers are. But just to make that correction, since you were talking about the uh, in, when the movie was in theaters, it did more did make a little bit more than I initially said. So I apologize for that mistake. But anyway, it probably it probably covered its costs with overseas tickets, but uh, probably yeah. didn't make much for profit. No, yeah, it doesn't. The, the Van Sant even said that he thought that the producers broke even. And that was about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it cost them sixty 
million dollars to make this right. version of Psycho. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. $60 it's probably all... million. Dollars. What? And I, th- I think the reason why, it's all salary. Because look at the actors. Exactly. The ones we haven't talked about yet. You're absolutely you know? right. Like, I'm watching this movie, and especially at the end... When uh, we're getting the uh, the uh, psychiatrist talking, mm-hmm. um, and even before then, when we're seeing uh, Sheriff Chambers, I'm thinking, "Fuck, this is a Paul uh, a Paul Anderson film." I'm like, "Am I watching Boogie Nights right now?" <laughs> you know, because you, you've got all this. I was waiting for Philip Seymour Hoffman to show up, right? Because yeah. it's all the same cast that would be in a uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. You know, you're, you're talking about uh, Philip Baker Hall. We got Anne ha- Anne Haney uh, between Mr. and Mrs. Chambers for the uh, police officer. Yeah, life. Julianne Moore, and yeah. you know, like, yeah. like it's an amazing cast, and it was the it cast of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but sure, they just picked the wrong uh, film to be in. But yeah. like these people know each other from being on all the same shoots. I forget who it was, but um, one of the people they had actually cast as, I think it was either Lilla or Marion, uh, turned it down to do um, Truman Show instead, which Truman Show is one of my favorites ever. So I think they made a very smart choice in that in that uh, decision. But uh, I forget I forget who what actress it was now. But anyway, Truman Show. You know, I've never seen Truman Show. Oh man, really? great! Oh, That's one of my. I yeah. actually. It's one of those movies I think you only really need to watch once, but I thought it was a great film. Yeah. Are you talking about Laura Linney? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I believe that's who it was that I was reading about. Yeah. But having her in this movie would make sense because she's a high caliber actress. I like, I like Laura Linney a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see her in this film easily. Definitely. But, if we're, if we're just talking cast right now, I think the only miscast... Oh, plus Willem H. Macy. Do we even yeah, talk oh, about yeah, him yet? Exactly. Oh, yeah. um, and, uh, but uh, really, I think the only miscast uh, actors were Vince Vaughn and Viggo Mortensen. The rest, I totally agree with. Yeah. Which, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about those as we go along here, because we haven't they haven't been introduced yet, and yeah, of where I, I we might are have in actually film, like but. this better, honestly, if Vigo and and Vince Vaughn had switched roles. <laughs> I think, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, been yeah. Vigo would have made a much better for this film would have made a much better Norman, and I think uh, Vince Vaughn would have carried off Vigo's character much better, but because S- Sam is a bit of a square. Mm-hmm. So I can see Vince playing that, and like Vigo oozes charisma. Right. So I can I could see him with uh, Norman's uh, lines easily, mm-hmm. so much easier than uh, than Vince uh, with Norman. Which is weird because I think Vince Vaughn naturally is a charismatic person, but he like intentionally went d- turned it off for this, which I, is just weird to me. But do you though? If you look at Vince Vaughn, it's like looking at Owen Wilson. They they play the same characters in all their comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so is he, is he really that charismatic or is he just playing himself? Oh, I, charismatic has nothing to do with your acting talent. You could be a, a charismatic guy and, and be a shit actor. I just think if you're charismatic, that just means that you have a personality that draws people to you. And I think Vince Vaughn, whenever I see him, not just in movies, but in interviews or something, I am drawn to him because I think he is a charismatic man. I think, like I said, it has nothing to do with his acting ability. I'm not saying he's a good or a bad actor. I just think he's yeah. naturally a charismatic man. Have but, you seen The Intern? Inter- yes i like mm. i like his stupid comedies though so yeah that's me yeah i don't know i i, I was never the biggest vaughn fan but maybe the internship, because when crashers plays about, right? For, with google yeah uh, is it i thought it was the intern or is that the one with um 
with De Niro. Oh, that no. could be De Niro. I don't know. I think internship is the one with uh, Google. Yeah, internship is with uh, Vince Vaughn. I don't know. I think his, his uh, best role was in Jurassic World or Jurassic uh, Park Lost World. So. Lost World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the intern 2015 with Robert yeah, that's De Niro. De Niro right. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, Anyways. That mopping scene, I was so disappointed because I knew the mopping scene was coming up. And I was just like, I just feel like it's not going to be nearly as entertaining as the original. And I was right. It wasn't. Um, But what bugged me was like, it was so unbelievable. Like one shot, he's just spreading the shit around, the blood around. And then the next second, it's like gone. I'm like, really? That's not how mopping works, first off. And then that (laughs) music that was playing while he was cleaning up, I swear to God, Daniel Bryan was about to jump into the scene at any second. Like it started like it sounded like the beginning of Daniel Bryan's music from WWE. I don't know if yeah. that's in the original or not, but I was like, wait, is Daniel Bryan about to enter? Like it sounds just like it. It's like that. I can't m- mimic it, but it's the exact intro of Daniel Bryan's music. And I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. Is, like, is it a flight of the Valkyries? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes, it is. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, now, is it just me or did you find the cleanup scene? take a lot longer in the remake than in the original. Yeah, I felt it, it was like overly long. Yes, it absolutely felt that way. It's exactly what I was anticipating going in because of what we've already seen from this Norman Bates and this director. Uh, and it did. Um, and then at the end, it just another thing that just pissed me off. Like the way Van Sant filmed the newspaper with the money, like again, yeah. just didn't prove it. Like he, that he didn't get it like Hitchcock did. And the original, Norman tossing that in the trunk was so nonchalant. It was so flippant and meaningless to him. Here, Van Sant, Van Sant takes the extra second to show the paper, has Vaughn pause, and then just drops it out of frame. Like, no. <laughs> like, that's not, that doesn't work. Like, in the original, the way it was done was just so smart and so intelligent. Like, I, I, obviously. Who am I? You know, like I'm nobody and Gus Van Sant is a very successful director, but he's not Alfred Hitchcock and nobody who, who is, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's just so clear that like the master that is Hitchcock compared to somebody like Gus Van Sant, it's just so obvious when you watch these films so closely together and pay so close attention. And so, I, you know, it, it is unfair that to even compare the two. But again, if you are going to make a, especially a shot for shot remake of the original, then I have the right to compare your work to the original work that was done. Because if you can't come up with anything original, then I shouldn't have to either. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have much of an issue if this uh, remake was like a reimagination of the original story. Yeah, you know? exactly. With your own flourishes and whatnot. But, you know, it's just 30 wanting it to be- years later. Yeah. Like, there's other things yeah. you can do with it, you know? And I, I just don't understand why somebody would greenlight a short, short make of Psycho. Like, right. why? What, why do it, you know? Um, it's not like it's a wreck in quarantine room, right? Uh, exactly. but, uh, yeah, like if they, if they wanted to make an original story, you know, with the legacy, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I'd be all for that. I'd be up for cycle five, you know, um, but, uh, just, just to reboot it, but it's a stale reboot. That's what I think hurts this film the most. Yeah. And then we get introduced to Julianne Moore as Marion's sister, Lilla. And it's just the most, you're just smacked by the 90s when she walks in with her fucking yellow Walkman uh, headset and just the way she's dressed. Like, oh, I fuck, I hated Julianne Moore in this role. I thought she was just terrible. She's so fucking hot in this movie. Oh, my God. I have a thing for Julianne Moore. Really? Oh, I. I, Oh, my God. Yes. Now, 
I didn't like her portrayal of Lila Crane. I thought no. she was a little too, uh, a little too uh, aggressive. Uh, the, yeah, that's a good word for it. Aggressive. And I thought she was too aggressive. Now I understand why she's aggressive mm-hmm. because they want to find a sister to make sure that she brings the money back for the police aren't involved. I understand the urgency, right? But I thought she was maybe also uh, too impatient. Um, but I thought she looked damn sexy in her green uh, t-shirt. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm sorry, go and ahead. I, and also, I think the, um, oh, first of all, we also see the guy at the register. It's Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I giggled. I'm like, okay, this movie is so fucking 90s. Oh, uh, I did you notice even, that? I, no, I wouldn't was in a Flea. million years. I love Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I couldn't tell you what any of them look like. So Yeah, <laughs> just yeah that was Flea. And, uh, and then of course, like she's there and I guess they had the AC cranked really, uh, cold in the work, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the hardware store because uh, she had her high beams on. That's one of my favorite Much, things about watching friends, man. Rachel is always high beaming it. And I always got to point it uh, out. Like it just, I love uh, it. it's delightful. Yeah. Very delightful. Um, and I think it's interesting because I liked that Lilla was more aggressive in this version, but I didn't like that. That's literally the only character trait. Like. She has no dimension, no depth to the character at all. She is angry and aggressive and just stays that way throughout the entire thing. I understand this role, you know, in this situation, you probably would be, but still it's a, like, it's a film. You have to show a little bit more at some points, find some way to change things up a little bit. And that's not, that never happens here. Well, and that was, they were, they were arguing, well, they didn't argue about it, but I guess they, they were. They had made the comments, or Van. I don't know if it was Van Santer, one of the producers of this version of it, basically said that the only character that was developed from the original script was Norman, and they were trying to do a little bit more with the other characters. But yeah. they they only succeeded in making them all very one note. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, yeah. Uh, point missed. And <laughs> I'm thinking maybe that little uh, that. Uh, uh, what's her name? Lil- uh, Lilla Crane. She was listening to some Meredith Brooks in her uh, Tony Walkman <laughs> because, uh, oh man, yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, um, or just Sarah maybe some little fair stuff. Yeah, she was, she was, uh, Love she it. was raging. She was she raging. She really was, yeah. Uh, and what's so interesting to me is in the original, Sam Loomis and Lilla Crane, they are smaller characters because we don't get to them until halfway through the film, really, and so on and so forth, but they are not forgettable in the least. Here, Julianne Moore and Viggo Mortensen, hell, even William H. Macy as Arbogast, I thought were com- completely forgettable in their roles. And I just, like uh, like we already talked about, they were just so wasted entirely in this film. See, I didn't mind uh, William H. Macy as Arbogast at all, uh, yeah, because he, he was able to pull the lines from the original film and still make it feel contemporary for this movie. Um, I, so, I didn't, I didn't get that, but I, I, I see, appreciate he, what you're I, saying. I just didn't feel that way. I, see, I thought it worked because that's kind of how I've seen him act like that in so many different films, even if yeah. he's not doing a period movie. So yeah, it worked true. for me. Yeah. It, that's and, true. And, I, thought, and yeah. I love William H. Macy, but yeah, it was just like, Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Is just Macy's a guy that can deliver, you know, pages of lines mm-hmm. like, like it's nothing. Um, it, it, I, I felt his Arbogast is a bit like his character in Fargo without the accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? 
Um, I, and I felt he was maybe a little less imposing of an actor compared to the original uh, actor who played Orbegast, who I think was maybe a little more bigger, a little more PI-ish. He seemed a little too small for his clothes, you know, but that's just like nitpicking. Um, I think what kind of bugged me with the, the second half of the film was how Sam Loomis felt very chummy, chummy to Lila Crane. You notice he tried to put his arm around her once or twice. And it's funny that, you know, watching Psycho 2, you realize that eventually they actually get married. Get married, right. Um, so I think maybe that, in my mind, kind of blossomed this, his advance, or it made me just examine his advances that he was doing. Like He, like, his, kisses her on the know, cheek right before he leaves to yeah, go find Arby yeah. Guest. Yeah. It's like, it's like his girlfriend is missing. Mm-hmm. Oh, but check out his hot sister who hasn't met yet. I'll just see if I can put my moves on her as well. Right. Which he actually you know? mentions in the very opening scene. He's like, oh, yeah, I'd like to meet your sister. Which I, it's probably in the original, but I, I'm well, sure it is. But I just don't remember it as, as this in the same way. Yeah, but I think like an original wants me to meet her family, right? Because she invites right. him to family dinner, da da da. Yeah. In this case here, it seems like yeah, maybe we can have a threesome. It just exactly. seems more exploitative. Yeah. And just the fact that he's not maybe subconsciously putting moves on her. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just found, found that like just ah, you're you're a fucking dirtbag, you know? Right. Um, why did Ar- it, maybe somebody knows why the fuck did Arbogast insist on getting out of his car via the passenger side door? Good question. I have no fucking clue. That was so like, weird. Because the camera crew was set up over there. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's literally the only thing I can think of. I'm like, they're not motivating this at all. It's just literally the camera's in the way. Like, I can't get out. Like, what the fuck is happening? Obviously, so he does not have a beverage in the uh, middle console. Right. So there was no spillage yeah. uh, accidents to happen. Amazing. Yeah, that was weird, too. I'm like, that's... I, I, I'll never do. I have a juke, okay. I'll yeah. never do that. Right. Why would you do that? Exactly. So weird. Uh, they do have like the candy corn eating scene there, which I thought I actually liked that character choice by Norman. The way he like literally like stuck almost his whole finger in his hand when he ate the piece of candy corn. I thought that was weird, um, but interesting. And they even have that awkward shot where Norman sticks his like neck over the counter. And they film his neck, but somehow it was even more awkward in this one than it was in the original, and not in a good way, like in a weird. No, way. not in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I, I same feeling. I'm like, again, I I find Norman here has like stunted development, and I guess right. I don't I don't remember this in the original film, but when later on when Lilla goes into the house mm-hmm. and we see Norman's room, it's a kid's room. That is in the original. Yeah. Yeah, but is, is it so childlike though in the original? I, it, I don't remember. It is, yeah. If you go back, and okay. see, you'll see that it is. Yeah, they have like the is kids' it? toys and all that shit. They don't have the porno mag, but they have the other stuff. The, the, <laughs> I did yeah. think the porno mag was a neat touch because it calls back to Psycho Four. That I did thought was a neat touch um, with the uh, with the uh, like lingerie magazine that his mom. Yeah, bought. and it, it's because yeah, it's exactly it's almost the exact same kind of magazine that they that she found in Norman's room in Psycho Four. The thing that bothered I, me about it was of all the things in Norman's room, Lilla is at this point where she's going to pick up the porno mag and and uh, whatever like swipe through it. What the hell's the word I'm thinking of? Like no, no, they it? call it female masturbation. It. There was no need for that. Yeah, she didn't have to drop trout and do that. I'm like, that's exploitation again. <laughs> That's exploitation. It's exploitation. Oh, but yeah. Um, and then again, with, with Arbogast's kill scene, we have these fucking odd images that are unrelated to anything. We have like a, a what was it, like a calf in the street? And then I don't remember what the what the second image was, but it was just like 
why? Why are you doing this other than to just be weird, be edgy, be different? Like, I don't get it. I guess it's a video representation of uh, Norman's rage, I suppose. I, I, I really don't know. We to, to quote my wife, who was only half watching it because she was playing Sims at the time while I was watching this. What the yeah. fuck was that? <laughs> That's exactly yeah, what she exactly. said when she saw it. What She's the like, fuck? I don't even. <laughs> oh, so stupid. I, oh, my God. And then Lilla, they're about to leave and Lilla's like, hang on. I got to grab my Walkman. I'm like, oh, my God. Fuck. Hey, you know oh. what? I understand. Sometimes I need my tunes, you know, pod and oh, put in oh, some man. of my last more set, get into the zone. Right. I totally understand it. Jeez. Um It's ironic, don't you think? <laughs> oh man. Uh so oh and another thing okay, so I, I'm skipping things it's, it's just we're talking about the same shit. So Lilla <laughs> goes into the house and then she sees Norman running up to the house because we already talked about the fact that that scene doesn't build, blah, blah, blah. And she sees Norman running up and like her look, she couldn't be like any, she couldn't give a shit less about the <laughs> fact that Norman was running up to the house. And then even when he's in the house, she's just like, she's so uh, uh, like just unaffected by this. You and know what it's scene, just like, this, what? Uh, yeah. This reminded me of that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Where the two guards are just standing there and Lancelot's, or I think it's Lancelot is charging across the field and you cut back to the shot of the two guards just kind of standing there trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And you cut back to Lancelot still running in the same spot across the field. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, like that's it. It exactly reminded me exactly of that. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, that was so ridiculous. Oh, and then this might be the last thing that really just pissed me off. I was like, why in the fuck are there birds in the basement? That is wrong. Norman does not like birds. He likes taxidermy. He literally says it in the film. That is not how, that's not Norman Bates. Like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, you just don't care. Like, he wants to do a shot for shot remake, but he doesn't want to put in the elements that make the shot for shot remake or make the original work. Why Mm -hmm. add in these birds? That makes no fucking sense. Yeah, us first see that as well. I guess that's where the $60 million come in. <laughs> that they can actually yeah. afford. And I guess maybe he has the birds and just crushes them so he can stuff them. I don't know. Stupid. But uh, he had a qu- quite the basement this guy had. Yeah, exactly. And then somehow this ending was even more, it was even less climactic than the, than the original. Like they give it zero seconds to build to any tension. Uh, at least in the original, you think maybe. Once Norman shows up in the wake, you think maybe he's going to get uh, Lilla, but then obviously Sam comes in here. It's like, here's him in the wig, which just looks stupid because it just doesn't look good. And then, boom, the next second, there's Sam knocking him out. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, like, I-, I felt there was a longer struggle between Sam and Norman in this one. Until really? The- I, th- I, oh, I didn't yeah. think so. I thought there was no struggle. I don't even remember a struggle. I remember him popping up behind him and hitting him with a bat or whatever it was, and that was it. Oh, no. I, I, at least back to the best of my recollection with NetflixCanada.ca, um, there was a bit, <laughs> there's a longer struggle. And then eventually, uh, Sam puts him into his chokehold, uh, or whatever hold he has to subdue him like he does in the original. In, in the original, it was yeah, over really quick. Yeah, there's, well, the, the initial fight between them at the, at the hotel is really short, but the, the fight in the basement's a lot longer, I felt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's totally fine. I'm sure you're right. I just, for whatever reason, I don't remember it. And I only have it in my head that like, 
he showed up, hit him in the head, and then was done. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I was just typing something or what, but that's that, that's what my it's a, it's it's <laughs> so perfectly okay if you zoned out watching this movie because um, right yeah. <laughs> exactly I was right there but, with you, buddy. Yeah. So, um, and then we get another uh, Cinefessions podcast alum with Robert Forrester. <laughs> As the doctor explaining Norman's sickness. And this, of course, oh was Max God. Cherry from Jackie Brown. And I was so happy to see him. I, I was happy to see him until he kept talking. I know. long, continuous, boring fucking sentence. I'm like, when did we get into the fucking Captain Jean-Luc Picard song? Shut up. It was just like, and come a- on. Apparently, Ugh. this was cut down a little bit from the speech in the original. Which, And let's keep in mind, why was this speech in the original 1960 film? To appease well, the censors so that yeah. they had an explanation for it. Why it one, why is it even here? And two, why the fuck does it have to be as long as it is here? Like what a horrible directing choice, man. Just, but I, I felt the script or the I guess the um the dialogue in the original film wasn't exactly the same in this one. He doesn't touch up on all like because in the other one you talk about the cross dressing and, and whatnot and this one I didn't feel it touched on that as much because it's not as taboo as it was back in the 60s right no it's this or is I could be completely sh- wrong no this is a shorter speech it is but it still felt long as fuck but no you're 100% yeah. right it is a shorter speech but yeah I didn't mind it so much just because I like Robert Forster um, but uh, I was just so bored with yeah. him as it went on I mean not him just like the dialogue just wasn't needed. Well, at this point, you're hate watching the movie, so you just want it to be over. Yeah, and I and, and it's not even that I hated it at all. It's just like I just wish the director did more with it. It was just better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but all right, I'm I'm burning up. My fan died in the middle of this recording, and I am about oh, to no. die. So, uh, are, are you sweating in your chair right yes. now? Yes. So, yeah. Ash, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for the Psycho remake? I okay. I, I'm the first to give a remake a chance. Uh, I like a remake that takes some chances, tries something new, brings something new to the table. Psycho from 1998 is not that fucking film. It does nothing really new. Uh, it could be set in the 60s or 90s. they are updates to make it more 90s. They're just useless. Um it did have some neat throwback stuff. I mean, it has a great cast. They just don't use them. I mean, they, I don't know. There's, there's like a reverence to the original, but at the same time, they don't know why the original worked. And it, it just, it misses all of the beats that, that it needed to. It's boring as fuck. I mean, this is the, the first time I ever watched this movie, I fell asleep in the middle of it. This time I actually had to like, put on a video game and I had it playing where I could see it because I was that fucking bored and nodding off at my computer. Uh, it just, I, I tried, I really did. Uh, but I, I just, I, I don't like this one at all. I mean, it, there's like some moments to it that, you know, it's like, Oh, this could have been a great movie. And they just kind of, eh. um, so I, I'm going to go out and give this one, one out of four stars. Perfect. So one star from Ash. And what about you, Mark? 
I, I think we all echo the same sentiments in this movie. Um, I think it's a pale imitator to the original Psycho. Um, casting problems aside with the main character, I just felt it was, again, like I mentioned before, uh, a more greedier ex- exploitation take on the story. Um, I find those... And, and usually I enjoy that kind of stuff, but I think in this one, because I, I do enjoy the first one so much that it didn't add to the likability of the film, but just repulsed me a, a little bit more. Um, you're not supposed to like Norman, but I like Anthony Perkins as Norman. I don't like Vince Vaughn as Norman. Um, it does have some good qualities. Like I, I do like Anne Heche a lot in this film. I think she's one of the highlights. Um, I also like Willem H. Macy. Um, you know, and then even with the, with the, um, with the scene with the uh, with the sheriff, I like Philip Baker Hall, um, but these performances can't make up for the poor directorial and uh, probably producer decisions that uh, this film falls with. Um, the film ends, and I had a bad taste in my mouth. This film doesn't need to exist. I I still don't understand the reason why this was remade. I should maybe do a little more uh, 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 a little more in, uh, searching online for the reason why this was greenlit in the first place. I really don't know. Um, I have to give this one out of four stars as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So when asked why he did a a shot for shot remake of Psycho, Gus Van Sant said. So no one else would have to. That's ridiculous. That, wow. That's such a stupid reason why. Yep. Thank you for biting this bullet, Gus Van Sant. Right. You know, like thank you well, for making uh, millions of dollars and biting this bullet. Uh, anyway, I'll buy you a cake. Right. So anyone who's been listening to the show for any length of time, or who follows me on social media, knows that I, like Ash, always give remakes a chance. Hell, I tend to like more remakes than I don't, and I like to tend to like them better than the originals. That said. I can't help but watch this remake of Psycho and just feel empty. Gus Van Sant chooses to do an almost shot-for-shot remake, like we mentioned, using the original script from a film shot 38 years prior, and the only significant change he makes is adding in a Walkman? I mean, fuck, like, by 1998, wasn't the Discman taking over anyway? I mean, that's what I asked for for Christmas. I mean, fuck, come on. Anyway, Gus Van Sant adds nothing to the original misses some small, so many small moments that make the original memorable and strong and simply delivers what amounts to a waste of an hour and 45 minutes for anyone who has seen the original. And if you haven't seen the original, watch that instead of this because it's just better. The cast is ridiculous with Anne Hayes, uh, Julianne Moore, William H. Macy, Vince Vaughn, and Viggo Mortensen, just to name a few, but virtually everybody here is wasted except for um, Heish and um, obviously Vaughn, not wasted, just, you know, not great. Um, and one thing I will say, which, uh, like we talked about, is I think that I liked Anne Heish's Marion more than Janet Lee's. And it's not that one is better than the other. It's just a matter of preference. Like, they both play the same character. They have the same lines. But yet they felt very different. And I really feel like Heish's portrayal worked really well for um, the 1998 setting. Um, but yeah, so aside from her though, the rest of the cast was just lacking, which was a shock given who they are. Um, the remake is just hollow. It is a shell of a film compared to the original and Van Sant really needed to take more control of this and make it his own, uh, which he, which he fails to do 
for the better in any way. So that said, I am giving Psycho one and a half out of four stars. So with that arc complete, let's rank the series from our least favorite to our favorite. Um, I will start since I didn't tell you guys we were going to do that so you can get a second to uh, kind of make your list up here. So for me, at the bottom of the barrel, obviously, at film number six has to be Bates Motel. Film number five would have to be the Psycho remake. Film number four would have to be Psycho 3. Film number three would be Psycho 2. Film number two would be Psycho 4. And then obviously at the top of the list would be Psycho from 1960. So that is my list. So I go Psycho, Psycho 4, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, Psycho from 98, and then Bates Motel. What about you guys? What? How would you rank the series from least favorite to favorite? Um, I'm going to go Bates, the Psycho remake. Um, Psycho 3, uh, Psycho 2... Psycho 4, and then uh, Psycho, the original. Okay, very good. Yeah, so, yeah, so perfect. So I think that's the same as mine, right? 1, 4, 2, 3, remake. Yeah, basically, yeah, so we are on the exact same boat. What about you, Mark? I don't know why we're doing this from worst to easy, uh, worst to best. It's backwards. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to go. You can go best and- to worst. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, whatever. I'm. I just wasn't paying attention to your answers. So we're probably all looking at the same thing. Uh, so Bates Motel, the the TV movie, by far the worst. Uh, and then we're gonna go with Psycho ninety eight. Then we'll go Psycho three, uh, Psycho four, and then Psycho one. Where Psycho two fit in? Ah, fuck. See, that's that's what we're doing. Okay, I'm gonna go. Okay, Psycho is the best, right? Yep. Cycle four, uh, cycle four, number two, cycle two, number three, cycle four, tabarnak. Oh, is, this cycle. is this easier for you, Mark? <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> Fuck, it's 10 o'clock. Okay. Oh, so, so, so cycle, cycle four, cycle two, cycle three, cycle 98, Bates Motel. Perfect. There you go. Excellent. So, yeah, we all have the exact same list for the first time ever. We've never had the same order on any of these before, except uh, up until today. That is very interesting. Very, very interesting to me. So, Well, it's it's pretty clear cut, I find, with this series. Yeah, honestly, I thought you were going to put Psycho 2 above Psycho 4, or I'm sorry, Psycho 3 above Psycho 2. I thought two and three could go either or, really. Yeah. I think I gave it the same score. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But, yeah. I, I, I like the I – like, I see in there, I enjoyed the grindhousiness of three, but I also enjoyed, minus the stupid ending of two, I think it's a little – I think I'd watch two before three again. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. All right. And with that, we wrap up our complete Psycho arc. I, I we had a blast with this one, and we really hope you guys did too. Uh, I'm so glad that we decided to to watch through these. I just I feel like we've learned a lot in this arc, and that's awesome. I feel like yeah, a, a yeah. better film person now that having watched these, so that's good. It was yes, a great we learned film discovery for myself. 
yeah, we we learned that uh, the uh, Fantasy Island version of the Bates Motel was not be greenlit ever, ever. I'm so glad that we watched that together. <laughs> I wish we were in the same room watching at the same time, holding hands. But I mean, this will do. This is a close second. So excellent. So <laughs> at this point, you might be asking yourself, well, what's next? Well, that is an awesome question, and usually one that we have an answer for on the last episode of each arc. This time around, though, we don't have an answer. Not yet. From here, we have some vacation time planned. So we're actually going to be taking what equates for our listening audience the entire month of June off uh, before we dive back into our next arc. So this is just to give us a bit of a jump start into the second half of the year and to allow for some uh, vacation uh, time that we're planning on using uh, during the month of June. So... As of today, the plan is to return to you guys with episode 133 on Monday, July 2nd. Yes, I know it seems like a long time out, but it's going to fly by. Trust me, it it always does. So as for what we're going to do next, for that, unfortunately, you're just going to have to follow us on social media in the coming weeks as we'll make the announcement there so that everyone knows what to watch to keep up with the podcast. Because frankly, we're still debating it uh, and we're just not sure yet. So we will let you guys know as soon as we kind of cement it in and figure out what Ooh. our next set of films are going to be. Uh, so definitely follow us on social media. Yeah, definitely make suggestions yeah, and bump too. up those numbers. Exactly. Yeah, make suggestions too. We're open to suggestions. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that we are always looking for suggestions and ways to improve the show. So, you know, um, I, personally, I think that cutting out the kind of the last segment of the show has not been detrimental at all. I think it uh, helps us a lot because, I mean, look at this fucking two and a half hour show on one film and a week in media. Yeah. Like, that's enough, you know? So uh, I don't think we're going to add anything back in. But hell, it, maybe I'm wrong. If you guys have something here that you think would be awesome for this spot, let us know. Um, or anything that you think we should change or, or keep the same, let us know about it. Um, you can, we like to keep those lines of communication as open as possible. So you can reach out to us by finding Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Email at contact at cinefessions.com or call us at 1-302-448-TALK. Plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Do not be shy. Get Mark's numbers up. All right. That's what your job is. Please. In the month of June. Please. Give him life. Give him life. Give him love. And another reminder, if you do like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you might be listening. Those positive reviews help us reach a broader audience, which is always the goal. And we thank you for telling your friends about the show as well. And Ash, remind our listeners where else they can find you online. Uh, you can find me online on uh, Tumblr and Twitter as uh, DHGFASHE. Excellent. And what about you, Mark? And you can catch me on Twitter at uh, Mark underscore Nadeau. That's M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U, as well as Letterboxd and on Instagram at mnadeau02. Perfect. And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed and on Letterboxd under Simon1, which I've been keeping my Letterbox up to date and I put little micro reviews on there. So definitely check that out. Uh, but I'm under Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. Gents, I hope you enjoy your month of June. I am going to miss you all. And I hope you feel the same way. Uh, I'm going to dream a month of June. <laughs> oh, you lying sack of shit. You're going to be so upset without me. That's all right. We'll, 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 uh, we'll be keeping in touch. So I think we'll be fine. I think well, we'll make it. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. We'll make it. All right. So we just want to say thank you to everyone for listening to episode 132 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, we are planning to be back with you again with episode 133 on Monday, July 2nd. So mark your calendars and uh, make sure you subscribe so you are up to date whenever we release our new episode. 
All right. So with that said, we'd say thank you one more time. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. Peace.